Welcome to Australian Hunger, I am your host Ben. On today's episode I have the two guys from the Basogam podcast, Damien Master and John Server. I'm not really sure who I should list first, I mean, kind of seems like if I list one before the other it would be a bit of a hierarchy, but I mean, alphabetical order, so Damien goes first. Um, yeah, I had a really long, long chat with those guys um, about a week ago regarding... Is there anything we, we didn't talk about? Um, obviously, the podcast, you know, the, the process of the podcast, some of their broader thoughts about heavy metal and its history, and, and a couple other things. Um, they, the guys love to talk, and I just let them go, basically. Uh, really, really enjoyable experience, and I hope to chat to them again. I'd really love to chat to Damien about some of his music. Um, we, we sort of briefly touched on it. And I'd also love to chat to Cerber about music and writing. It'd be interesting to get his perspective a little more on this kind of thing that we do. You know, I don't consider myself a journalist, but, you know, what else am I going to call it? Interviewing people, writing about heavy metal. Um, and I'm also a film fan in general, so that'd be really interesting to chat about. But anyway, that's for the future. The interview is that 240 minutes long. It's, it's, it's a bit of a slog. Um, but I had a lot of fun listening to the guys uh, sort of go back and forth. I think Damien says one or two controversial things, but I mean, you know, we're adults. Like, representation is an endorsement, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't feel I need to go into detail. I feel like I was almost sitting on a podcast episode myself. So if you enjoy this, definitely go check out their podcast. I mean, it's available pretty much everywhere you get your podcast. You might notice that Damien is a little sick during the interview. Um, and again, I just really appreciate them giving up some time to some random fucking guy from Australia. Uh, yeah, that's how it is with everyone, basically. I appreciate they give you up time to this random guy. But um, strap yourselves in. I now want to get into the bit of the history of the show. So I think it's sort of been touched upon, but you guys obviously haven't sort of gone into it in detail because that's kind of not what the show's about. The show's about, you know, Basogam, and we'll get into what that means a little bit later. But first off, I think this is a key detail. How did you guys meet? Um, I actually don't know, so I'll defer to Serbo because my brain doesn't work. This was, it was a good... 10 plus years 12 years ago maybe or so yeah. it's it's just we uh, we both work at um a record store here uh grand rapids michigan usa and um i've been working there uh going on 19 years um and he was a customer and eventually became an employee and i don't know you know like when he was a customer, I used to just like, you need to buy this. You need to buy this. Yeah. And uh, I, I was the audio consultant. Yeah. And uh, although he might be loath for me to bring this up, but like uh, he was like a, a famous about town. <laughs> like uh, he wrote for the newspaper for like 20 years or whatever. Yeah. So he had like columns and stuff like that that like my mom read. <laughs> so I was just like. Yeah, I started the hands guy, John Serba. People were like, John Serba. And then, yeah, like, I mean, obviously, like, I got in, I was into metal and, like, extreme metal. Again, we're not supposed to say extreme metal, but say <laughs> it. Um, and, yeah, and just, like, Serba and I got, he, he was he was into some pretty wild stuff. And I was into some wild stuff. And you just kind of find each other. And, yeah, I was just at the store so much. 
I think now we are the two longest tenured employees at the store now. Yeah. Over 10 years. But like, uh, you know, it just reaches a point where you go to like, people always want to know, like, how do you get a job at a record store or whatever? And it's like, you go so much that they're like, okay, help unpack this fucking box. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you want to work record store day? Hey, you want to work Sundays? That's kind yeah. of how it goes. Yeah. Record store day did not exist at this time. But, well, no. But uh, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. That's what this podcast is about. It's just going to be another bullshit old guy metal episode. Yeah. <laughs> we have a contentious relationship where I make him mad all of the time and <laughs> he doesn't break up with me. <laughs> Cla- classic abusive relationship. Pretty much. <laughs> So why don't you guys start the podcast? Obviously, you've been friends for a while, um, have you know a sort of working relationship in that you're both working in the record store. Why don't you guys decide to start a podcast, and specifically this podcast? Well, um, man, two or three years ago, we were, we were road tripping to Chicago to see Absu, maybe, or... Sounds right. Or Aboth, it was one of those. And, um, you know, I, I'm the old fuck. And, uh, we're, we're driving and I'm like, I made a mix CD and Damien says, what is that? More of that bullshit old guy metal. <laughs> and then later on it was like, you text me and like, we should do a, we should do a bullshit old guy metal podcast is a great idea. Yeah. And we never really did anything about it seriously until, I don't know, a little less than a year ago. Um, I left my job at the newspaper and I'm like, I have some time. Let's start this thing now. And I have nothing but time ever, always, because I refuse to have a job. So we just had, we both ended up having time to do it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. And I also, I felt that it was important because I started looking around. I listen to podcasts. I love podcasts. I like your podcast, Ben, by the way. Um, And uh, we started looking around and there was nothing covering bullshit old guy metal. Which was like a pejorative diss towards Serba yeah. and all the shit that he was saying or that he was listening to, but there was nothing that was covering this genre or subgenre of music. It's it's and I kind of like that even in some small way, Basagum is catching on <laughs> to like people are now they're like oh that band's bullshit old guy metal yeah. So oh. there's you know, you know you there's got to be fourteen or fifteen people who use the phrase at this point. Hey, you know a fire starts <laughs> with a spark and. You know, but it's like it's also a f- like I hate fun, but it's like a fun, interesting <laughs> thing. But no, there were no podcasts talking about these bands. I looked around; there were loads of podcasts talking about fucking I don't know, like new, like new to like new to metal people who are like, let me figure out how Death Heaven works, yeah, and like figuring that out. There's like a hipster metal podcast, and then you have like a you have like a metal podcast show that does like. Lamb of God centric bands, mm-hmm. like Five Finger Death Punch centric bands, like but also like heavier stuff like Behemoth or something like that. And we just that's not good music. <laughs> well, so we don't want to we want to talk about and we have cult knowledge. Yeah, I mean, what else are we going to do with all this? crap cluttering our brains yeah you know i mean there's a point where it's like 
who is the guitarist in death in 1988? And I'd be like, you know, there's all this stuff in my head. And so why, why not use it? Why not, why not do something, you know, fun and creative? And, 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 you know, I, I think part of it is too. And I mean, we touched on it where like, you know, we're sort of good cop, bad cop kind of personalities. Yeah. And, um, and I've listened to other metal podcasts that are like, oh, they're talking about Funeral Mist. It's one of my favorite bands. And it is the most boring 45 minutes ever because it's just a, a couple of metal nerds kind of chatting about it or whatever and getting real deep and, and insightful, which is great. But, like, I, I do think at least we have some kind of rapport, uh, you know, sexual, back and Sexual forth. tension. <laughs> uh, but, like, also, we shit on things we don't like. Yeah, and frankly, we're not like, afraid to to, I, to do that. And Serba used to get shit all the time. Not all the time, but like when he was, you know, reviewing movies full time for the paper, you would like slag off a movie if you thought it sucked. You know, you, yeah, you had I, no. I, I reviewed music for a long time and got a lot of flack when you know I'd say shitty things about Bon Jovi's concert and whatever, you know, and and so it's like I've never been afraid to to have that critical voice. And, and, and I think some people might be a little afraid to, because I don't know, it rubs people the wrong way. I think it's, it's more interesting. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, but like, I think about all the heinous shit that I've said on this show <laughs> not well, this show, but my show. And I'm like, man, if somebody just walks up and like sucker punches me at a gig, like I can't be that mad about it. <laughs> Hey, I, you know, people have had an open door to sucker punch me at the movie theater or at the local concert venues for 20 years. It's never happened. Yeah, I have a punchable face, though. <laughs> so you obviously picked Charlie, uh, the overkill icon as the logo. <laughs> Why did you guys do that? And um, I think the obvious next question from that is, why does overkill inspire kind of a particular obsession, particularly you, Serba, but also you, Damien? Well, I, I think... Like, when you think of the idea of what Basagam is, they are the poster boys for it. You know what I mean? Just like this tenacious... um, They're working class. They're working class. They're tenacious. They, um, you know, one of the big talking points about the band is, like, they didn't break up in the nineties. Testament broke up in the nineties. All these yeah. bands broke up in the nineties and they just kept going, you know, they just put their head down and said, we're going to make this work. We're going to do whatever the fuck we want. And, and I, and I think that's, you know, and of course they're, you know, get, they've, they've got, all, they've got the right sound as far as I'm concerned. It's that thrash thing that like kind of personifies what my thought of bullshit old guy metal is. Um, and, and, uh, I don't know, they're just, they're still a really cool band. They've got a lot of credibility and, uh, you know, I, they're, they're vital. Yeah. They're an interesting case because they kind of, for better, or for worse, kept it going. But like, you know, why did we pick Charlie? Because <laughs> I don't know, because I, I was thinking about it and I also looked at like all the, the artwork for all the shows. Mm-hmm. Cause I do all the graphics for like my label and stuff like that. So I'm kind of a like, visual guy, and like the tapes that I make, I always like try to lay those out cool. And I have a theme and aesthetic mm-hmm. for all the tapes and stuff. And so I was really trying to find something that would be cool, and then like make it our own. But then I was just like, 
fuck it. Let's just steal. Because, like, <laughs> if you look at, like, the typeface of the Overkill logo, they ripped it from Iron Maiden. Yeah. And. I think they italicized it a little. Yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> but other than that, it's but, the same. Yeah, look at the O. Like, yeah. look at defining, like, I'm weird about typography. Like, look at defining features, like O's, S's, G's. And, like, it's the same. But, like, I just, I just, it was, it's, it's total um, tribute. Yeah, it's absolute tribute. And I did Eddie, okay, you know, that would have been too easy. Vic Rattlehead, that would have been too easy. Mm-hmm. The guy from Creator doesn't have a name, the little demon head guy, and nobody knows who it is. Yeah. But Charlie just, I don't know, it just seemed like the way to go. And I did it also in hopes that Overkill would sue us or something. <laughs> That'd be great, you know, press for the show. Could you guys expand on what is bullshit old guy metal? Like, what, what, what is it, what, what does it kind of mean to you guys? Well, dude, it's just a, like... It's someone drilling above you at all times. <laughs> Well, it's just like a feeling, man. Yeah, you know, it's like, a vibe. You just put it on. You go, "This is bullshit, old guy metal." I don't. It's like I don't know. It's kind of got to be around for a while. Yeah, uh, it's it's got to be kind of you know overkill is stubborn. You know, yeah. so there's there's got to be some kind of stubborn quality. So that obviously you know ropes in mayhem, for example. Yeah, you know that that like tenaciousness and um oh you know and and then it's like stuff that um you can you can say uh, you know i i mean i would say slayer is bullshit old guy metal and i would never say that they're an underrated band but there's a component of basagum that is uh yeah uh, not enough people appreciate them and 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 you can kind of hold them close to you and i think that's the thing about overkill or um, you know, metal church, metal or, church for sure. or you know, just like these these bands that are just toiling away. And who who, who was it we were we were recently talking about? Um, uh, Mike Scalzi from Slough Fag. Yeah. I, I will die playing metal in front of ten people. That's Basagum. Yeah, that, I, I wish that was like our. Uh, can we steal that catchphrase? Yeah, and, and make it our for sure. <laughs> make it our tagline for the show. Yeah, I think okay, like what. You know, what's bullshit old guy metal? It's, um, it's, it's all those things that service said for sure. But I think also we're coming up on like, is it 40 years of heavy metal? Yeah. Like we're coming up on 40 fucking years of heavy metal. So it's like to not acknowledge the fact that it's gone through all of these different faces. Yeah. And changes is ridiculous. Like I'm a history guy, as you know, from listening to the show. So it's like. I also I, – it was a reaction because I'm online, not all the time, but I'm, I admit I'm online. I'm looking online. And I see a lot of people who are, like, new to metal who, like, hop in and it's, like, their first Metallica – the first Metallica record they ever remember was, like, Load or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, like – or not even that. Or, like, just, like, Metallica was always the biggest band in the world. When this, when these kids were around or like, you know, I guess it would just, I just see a lack of depth in a lot of like young kids that get into stuff. It's like you get into stuff and then you immediately like do the deep dive where you can find every strange, obscure demo tape on YouTube. 
and they kind of do that, but they don't appreciate like the cultural history of heavy metal. And like, that's kind of what Basagam is. Basagam is, is, is not black Sabbath, but it's like, it's kind of this stuff that like, it's Dio black Sabbath. Yeah. It's, it's Tony fucking Martin black. Sabbath. It's Tony Martin black Sabbath for sure. <laughs> um, but it's like, it's the, it's the kind of the, you know, after I've, I think of Basagam as like the adolescence of metal. Like yeah, you kind of, well, and, and part of it is like, that's, you know, when I was a teenager, yeah, it was overkill slayer metal church, you know, Oh Mega. my God, stumbling over a Malaya rage cassette, you yeah. know, and just buying it because it's got a dumb logo and a dumb cover yeah. And and it's like oh this is the new thrash band you put it on and and you know it it for me it's part of a it's a nostalgia trip in many ways yeah um you know it, it it's like what what episode should we do next Damien asks me and I'm always throwing stuff at him that like I've lived with for thirty years and you're like you're you're for, you're very familiar with everything you're suggesting well yeah of course yeah <laughs> that's what it is for me to a degree and it's a fun yeah. exercise too for me to like critically listen even though it doesn't sound like i do that at all on the show i just sound like it just sounds like i go this shit sucks next no you're you're you offer more in-depth commentary on some of the stuff than i do i mean i um i i, I do think one of the one part of the dynamic of it is though um when you get excited about something it's easy for me to get excited about it too. And I think vice versa. Yeah. And that's happened with so much, so much music. And like, so, you know, like I infected you with the overkill virus. Yeah, for you know? sure. And, and so we kind of feed off of each other in that sense. Um, and, and I would never, even though you're 10 years younger than I am, I would never say uh, 25 actually. Yeah. I, I would, <laughs> I would never say, you don't know what true Basagam is. You can you can be twelve and understand it if you you know if you think the right way yeah and, and if you get it yeah and I've like and I you know I've made this point on the show too like uh, I I would consider myself a lifer at this point because I've been listening to aggressive music longer than I haven't yeah, yeah you know I've been way longer since nineteen ninety two when did Nevermind come out ninety two ninety three ninety one ninety one okay never mind ninety one yeah. And, like, the first thing I did was I, like, looked up every Kurt Cobain interview, which you had to do in, like, Barnes & Noble or, like, <laughs> whatever in, like, magazines. And he would be like, yeah, I like Black Flag and Celtic Frost. And I would look up those bands yeah. by going to a record store and going, have you ever heard of Celtic Frost or Black Flag or Dinosaur Jr.? Yeah. And they're like, what the fuck is your problem, kid? <laughs> so, I don't know. That's just my mind is, is I've always been inquisitive and – yeah, Basagam is is a, a to to sound like an old European thrasher. It is an ancient spirit, <laughs> and we hold on to that to this day. Are there any bands? And I, I know this might be a little bit hard to come up with on the fly, but are there any bands that you think sort of illustrate the sort of difference between being Basagam and being not Basagam? Like, are on the outer limits of the concept? Uh, when you say not Basagam, what you mean to say is poser, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's a great question. I guess like um I I I some sometimes Basagam just stretches to mean whatever we think is cool. Yeah, and that's the best <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, so we, we can get as high concept as you want, but that's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, it's but like I, so so like when but, you create a movement, you get to decide what the fuck it is <laughs> and isn't. 
like but 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 also uh on the other hand like uh for a while in the 90s and I was so heavy into metal and there's nothing happening except Pantera you know so it was like the default thing was Pantera and you and Damien hates Pantera and <laughs> I I don't really care much for him anymore you know I mean I, it, it was like I don't know, I can make as many excuses as I want. I listened to Pantera for a long time, and I, but that's not one of the bands I go back to now. I, don't, I just don't see see as much appeal with them anymore. But um, but we would both say Pantera is Basagum by far, easily, easily. Uh, I think they fit yeah, the criteria. My question is outside like, of who what, are, what we think is cool. Who are their influences, though? Like, what are they like? Well, I mean, look at the look at their old pre you know no i won't pre record deal days where um no they they were doing hair metal and priest they're just shitty van halen yeah yeah sure so i don't know who's who's not Basaga. like yeah i mean i i you know i know you love converge but i'm like yeah i don't know if they would be no converge is not you know no but like maybe neurosis is they're kind of on the kind edge. of yeah. I mean, they're a little too artsy fartsy. But but even then, it, you know, we think they're one of the greatest bands ever. Oh, they're it's, abs- it's it's inevitable we're going to do it. I bought about I bought tickets to see them two days in a row recently. Yeah. <laughs> so neurosis is there, and they, it's the only sticker I have on my truck is a neurosis sticker. Um, but like, okay, like what bands? I'm trying to think. Like, I'm trying to go through the record store bin in my head. <laughs> like like what band would not be like Basagum? Like Mastodon is not Basagum. No, not really. And it has nothing to do with like the fact that they're a newer band. Yeah. Like Municipal Waste gets thrown in there. Like, are they Basagum? I, I mean, they're kind of copying that sound. Yeah. You know, yeah, what bands are like, what band, like, we say Lamb of God all the time just because they're a huge popular band that they're not. Yeah, because, but or they're not but, because we say they're not. And there, there are bands that are younger than Lamb of God that we would classify as Basagum. Yeah, you know, have we, is High on Fire Basagum? Yeah. See, I would say yeah, no. I think, no, they're Motorhead, dude. They're fucking Motorhead. Overkill is Motorhead. Yeah, I, I, I would say High on Fire is. I would say Sleep is. You know, I mean, anything that anything that's Deathcore, no. Anything Death Heaven, no. I would stretch Basagum to include Motley Crue. What? Or Wasp. Yeah, you know, sure. I, so, even some of that stuff that's hair metal or, or bordering on hair metal, I would call the sagum. Yeah, I guess so. It's just, yeah, it's it's a vibe, I guess. You know, yeah, like it's like, that, that's that's why I joke and say like, well, it's just kind of a feeling, you know, and do yeah. the hippie thing because it kind of is. Yeah, it's, it's instinctive for me. Right. We'll sort of get more going to the process of the podcast. How do you decide which bands you're going to do an episode on? Uh, you just heard it. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's usually some contentious texting. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually got a bug up my ass in January, and made a spreadsheet. Yeah, with <laughs> literally every band like filled in, like, and and then he forgets it exists. So I'm the one reminding him, hey, you know, uh, obituaries uh, this week. Obituaries or, this week are we're we're doing Brazil. Yeah. You know, uh, you made the fucking spreadsheet. I did. It's on I, your computer. I just screenshot. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, we kind of figured, we just kind of talk it out and like, we're, we're trying to do more like interviews. Like we're doing an interview 
our first ever interview uh, tomorrow. Sunday. Well, yeah. Tomorrow for you. Tomorrow for tomorrow for our Australian hunger fans. We're not gonna say. <laughs> we're not gonna say who it is. Yeah. Yeah, we're not gonna say. It's exclu- It's yeah. That's exclusive info. Yeah. But um. But yeah, we're we're, we're gonna work that in too. Um, just so it's just not us talking all the time and, and, and breaking up the, the pattern a little bit and, and expanding what the, what the show does. Yeah. Yeah. We just got to figure it out and fight it out and, you know, it's not that interesting really. Or, or it's just like, let's do, dude, we need to do death angel. I've been listening to a lot of death. Angel. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like ready to do that one. Okay, yeah, for sure. It. We should do a death angel episode. Absolutely. Damn. They have a new record coming out. Did you see that? And they're, yeah. And they're coming through. Yeah. Coming through town. So, um, do you have a? I assume this is probably different for each of you. Do you have an approach to listening and researching um, a band for an episode that you're going to record on? I do, but you can go first. (laughs) I I really I don't know. Not really. I just listen to it a lot. I'll jot down some notes and phrases, and you know, obviously, if it's a band I don't know as well, I'll listen more. I, I had to listen to a fuck ton of biohazard it was really rough you know um i i think we we routinely joke about like king diamond and that was pretty intensive because it covered so much ground yeah and um you can't really fake it in that sense you know yeah but, but like slough was easy because i'd listened to those records so much so recently yeah you, you know you wh- just... whereas king diamond you tend to go back to the same three or four records yeah. and, and one of them usually is not the spider's lullaby you know right so i don't know i i don't i don't really have a method i just i just listen to the stuff while i'm doing dishes or driving and and try to soak in it and and like you know Get the vibe of it. Understand the vibe of it. Yeah. I like, for me, I try to like, I was actually surprised because I never like worked with Serba in like one of these type of contexts before. But like, I, I was actually surprised because I'll kind of like sit down and I'll like put some headphones on and I'll listen and I'll like take notes and I have like a legal pad. Yeah. And I, ta- I take way more notes than Serba. But also I have like anecdotes and like jokes that I'll write down sometimes because my brain doesn't work and I forget and... <laughs> Whatever. And so I'll sit down and, I, you know, I'll open up, like, Metal Archives is a, a crazy indispensable tool. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, use, using the Encyclopedia Metallum. Uh, well, and, and I just rely on you to, like... Do all the work. Okay, well, to go, like, well, this album came out in 84 and whatever. Yeah. You know, that's your thing. That's yeah. your... That's, that's the... That's the gear that you're that gear in the machine. Yeah. And and I think that like people want to hear that. I could be wrong, but I think people want to hear some level of like, and that's what I think is kind of cool about our show. That's journalism. Yeah. And like, I'm not a journalist ever. Never would call myself. You got to have facts in there. Yeah. And like, I spray in a lot of bullshit, like in non facts, not on purpose, but like, that is one thing that like, I, I, I think is cool about the show is that it kind of is, it's almost like, like backwards academic. Cause like we have, you know, I'm not saying we go through like lineups and producers and where the studio where it was recorded, but like, we'll talk about labels and the bands and the years and stuff like that. But then, you know, we also like give our, give our input and our takes and stuff. But like, 
I I try to I take it very seriously. It sounds like I doesn't I don't, but like I really do. I t- I take it quite seriously in my listening and my like note taking. I don't know if it comes across in the show, but um, I definitely try to be academic about it. But also something I was going to mention too in a, in a previous question, like why did we start the show? Frankly, all we're doing is just putting microphones up. Yeah. It's these are conversations we would be having anyway. Yeah. Pretty much. So pretty much. it wasn't really a, a huge like a huge different like vibe for us to start doing this because yeah, we're just basically talking like we do just on mic. So one thing you've done over the past couple of months is discuss regional scenes. Uh Nuwabaham, Italy, uh, Brazil, is um uh, maybe one of those is the answer to the, my question, but is there a particular regional scene you're interested or, or fascinated in? Um, well, mine for me, we just did. I mean, like, so, yeah. if if there's anything that's really captured my ears more so in the last few years than than you know ever before, it was it's Brazil. I mean, I one one of my first obsessions as a teenager was Sepultura. Um, and, and the kind of mystique around them at the time, because you couldn't just log into the internet and, and see pictures of Sepultura, you know, you're like, where are these guys coming from and all this? And, um, so, you know, maybe 10 years ago, it's like, man, there's a lot of bands in Brazil and this is a huge movement. And in fact, they were, you know, they kind of were around a little before the the Norwegian black metal scene and all this kind of stuff, and that's the kind of thing that fascinates me. There, there's a there's a very distinct um, kind of raw nature to it that just um, re- really appeals to my aesthetic, the the, the aesthetic that I'm drawn <laughs> to these days. And um, excuse me, because many years ago I, I'd throw on a on a, you know, 20 years ago, I'd throw on a super lo-fi Dark Throne record and go, I don't get this. And I get it now. And so that's why, like, oh, I get that Brazilian stuff now. It is raw. It is some really wild, out-of-control 17-year-olds with shitty equipment, and there's something magic yeah. about that, you know. So that, that that that's my obsession at the moment, anyway, regionally. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't want to give away what we're going to do next. I don't know why we just, it's just like how I operate. I don't like telling people what we're going to do. Even like, well, and, and it leaves the door open in case we change our fucking minds. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but like, and we go, we need to record something tomorrow. I'm not ready. Okay. Let's, let's, let's do, let's do something we know really well. Oh, that's never happened before. Uh, <laughs> but like, uh, what scene, you know, it's not on the list. Cause I think we're only going to do it for the first half of the year. So I think we're halfway through, but um, the two scenes that I would love to cover. Okay, let me ask you this: Is Death Spell Omega Basagum? I don't think they are. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They're not at all. No, probably not. But like, I would love to do like a deep dive on like two thousands French bands. Yeah, like not the LLN stuff, but like uh, basically the No Evdia scene. Yeah, I would love to do like a deep dive on that. It's not really hooked into what the show is doing, but like that was a tremendously inspirational time for me to be discovering that stuff when it was coming out, you know, it was so, it was so crazy because it still had that air of mystery to it. 
Yeah. And, like, well, now, nothing has mystery to it. Yeah. Like, all mystery is 100% dead in 2019. Yeah. Like, the best you think, the best you can come up with is a lie that, like, you get away with for a minute. Yeah. Which is, like, that ghost bath band. Yeah. Like, they're from, like, Wisconsin or something, and they're, like, kept telling people they're from China. Yeah. And it's, like, this shit's only going to get you so far. Like, I remember Velvet Cocoon had a bit where they were, like, yeah, we don't we, play guitars. We play diesel harps. They're these, like, steam-powered instruments. Yeah, and it was all crap. That hammer strings. And, just, and anybody who had ever, like, played a guitar was, like, no. <laughs> but, like, somebody who, like, doesn't know instruments could be, like, oh, that's crazy. I'm like, no, 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 you just hooked up like two distortion pedals and a reverb pedal. <laughs> like, but like to somebody who doesn't know, then that's fine. But I would say France, not going to happen on the show. One thing that might happen on the show, and it's not on the schedule, is uh, Sweden. Yeah. Sweden is kind of my, Norway's not on the schedule either. Because I feel like we also don't want to tread where everyone else is treaded. And like, yeah, I mean, especially because there's a new Dark Throne record coming out. And we have association with Dark Throne. The buddy of ours is very close. Oh, with the whatever. <laughs> you know, whatever. We don't have association with Dark Throne. No, but we have inside info sometimes. I should say that. We have inside info on the bandits sometimes. Not much. Uh, I just don't Not tell really. you. I just don't tell Not you. Really. No, we really don't. We don't. No, don't I mean, believe it. That's not, it's not, I'm not trying to make us seem cool. Fenris, come on the podcast. Fenris, come on the show. Uh, Friend of the show. No, I'm not trying to make it seem like we're cooler than we are. But, like, did I hear a track before? Did I, did we hear the new R&R before it came out? Because we had the rough mixes? Maybe. Maybe not. But anyway. Yeah, that has nothing to do with us. You just yeah. have to know somebody. Right. That has everything to do with me because I know somebody. <laughs> Bitch, knowing somebody is half the battle. If you didn't know somebody, I wouldn't know it. Therefore, okay, anyway, we're getting off into a Basagam <laughs> argument. The point is... You know I someone would, who knows someone. That's all it takes. someone we know ain't shit. That's true. He is a bitch. <laughs> but, um... But, uh... He's gonna come on the show at some point. I would love to cover, um... Like, late 90s Sweden stuff. Swedish stuff. Yeah? Yeah. What, what about, like... Like, the Notevite era. Like early Niflheim and yeah. uh, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, heavy load. Would we throw heavy, heavy load? load in there? Sure. <laughs> Good Swedish power metal. For those who uh, cough up big on the Patreon, you get a mixtape. How do you guys go about making those mixtapes? Serba comes up with a track list, which is chronological. You know, like yeah. Because I was sitting there kind of working too hard and going, why don't I just do this in the order of the episodes? Yeah. It, ma- it makes just as much sense as anything else yeah. instead of trying to pace shit. And it's like, no, nah, just, oh, so what? We'll put four Brazilian bangers at the end of this thing. Yeah. And and all four of them combined aren't as long as the Dark Angel track. I don't know. <laughs> that, that's that, like... I just I throw the track list together and Damien does all the rest of the work. It's kind of like the story of the show is I just yeah. kind of show up. I do and the then, heavy lifting. Then he does all the all the technical work. The heavy load comes from me. <laughs> yeah, Serba does that, and I, I like I said I kind of get a thrill out of doing the layouts and making them look cool. And I don't know if people think they look cool or not, or people think they're dumb. I think I, they look sick. I think they look cool, and we don't, I don't give a fuck what anyone else. True. Does. Yeah, so it's there's not that interesting of a story there. It's nice just, font or er, typeface. Shut up, you bitch. Pick, you pick good typefaces. Shut up, bitch. <laughs> Next question. 
Um, so this sort of directly relates to that. You guys talk a lot about physical media. Um, it's kind of a, something which isn't necessarily as widely appreciated in this current day. Talk a little bit about why physical media is important to you. Well, I mean, I've been working in in music stores for since I was a teenager. Yeah, me too. You know? I worked I mean, in music store. I worked in Christian bookstores that sold music because I was into all that kind of music. Still am. Absolutely still into like the good Christian music. Um, worked at a used CD store before I worked at Vertigo. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, absolutely. That's, both of us have been working around music since we were teenagers. We we um we both subscribe to streaming services. We both we pay do. for that mm-hmm. because we do appreciate the convenience of it. But um, you know, there's always that go to. I I I can't. I kind of purposely can't listen to streaming services down in my basement with my stereo and all my records down there. You know, because I want to have that hands-on experience somewhere. Yeah, and I don't want it to be too easy. I uh, want it. I want it to be. I still want it to be, um, you know, interactive in that sense, physically yeah. interactive. I think that's that's part of it because, you know, I, I've even found myself like taking things for granted just because I can just quick dial it up on my phone and listen to it on the Bluetooth speaker, yeah. you know, anytime I want. It's like, oh, I'm tired of this. Change it like that. You know, I yeah. mean, that's what that's what like people my dad's age would say about cds like oh you can just skip a track boom press a button skip a track skip right, a track, yeah. you know boom press a button skip a disc you got a disc yeah. changer you know um so i mean I, I i that idea isn't isn't anything new but um it's it's just it's almost too easy i mean i don't know i, I feel like i'm falling on the same tropes that everybody does when when they're asked about physical media is like well you know <clears throat> I, I I I don't know what it's like for a 17 year old who wouldn't know any better, you know. Coming although, in, although we do get some 17, a lot of 17 year olds coming in buying vinyl. Brace yourself, so, brace yourself. Yeah. Hold on to your butts for the D man's hot take. Yeah. Um, physical media is crucially and critically important. However, I am sick. This is not a reflection on your question. I appreciate your question. I am sick to fucking death of having to explain like why a record is cool. And we live in a culture now where like people are so obsessed, like literally look like just now on my phone, mm-hmm. I have a group text in my band. What did somebody just send? It's a picture of my vinyl record on someone's on, show on Instagram on Instagram. So it's a screenshot. Somebody just texted me literally five seconds ago. And I think people, that's where physical media exists now. It's this Instagrammable moment, which is evidenced by a couple of different things. And I don't mean to go on a tirade, but bitch, for the next two minutes, I'm doing it. Like, um, make it make it forty seconds. Okay, go. Um, we have things like limitation in like colored vinyl and things like that. Mm-hmm. People like the exclusivity of of physical media, and that's cool, and I like that. But it becomes this thing where it's like. Like I always say, like look, look how cool CD. I am. Yeah, I, or I like pink splatter. Yeah, buy the CD. Like it doesn't matter. Like it's cool to own it. And I feel like we have like a generation of kids. Like I, I remember, like because I'm like of the I'm the very first internet age, where like I had the internet mm-hmm. as like a preteen. You know, it was shitty and crappy, but like 
you know, like it was gr- both shitty and crappy. Yeah, that that needs to be. But like my grandpa or whoever, like who would drive, <clears throat> you know, hours and hours and hours in dead silence, not for any other reason other than just like he didn't. Not that he was like, I don't want the stimulation, but just because he enjoyed the the sounds of of driving and. Mm-hmm. Time in his head, and like we live in a we live in a time where we're constantly being saturated with all of this stuff, and that only goes so far. And I think physical media ties into it because you have this tactile thing you can hold on to, and it's important and it's cool, and I love it, and I'm gonna die on that hill defending it forever. But I kind of just like for some kid who's like. 15 or 16 or 17 years old and vinyl is awesome and it's saved our business and it's made things go really, really well for us. Um, but I just, I'm kind of sick of explaining it to like trying to sell this thing to a kid or to somebody who doesn't care. Cause ultimately I guess the music is what matters. Yeah. So if somebody's obsessed with metal and all they do is stream it, but they're listening to it and love it and they're committed to it. I think it's weird as fuck, but what do I like? Who am I to judge that? Like, I don't know. I, it, we're just leaning on what we know. What yeah, we and I mean, and all that. But I, I think that's what it boils down to. I would like to point out that um, the youngest out of these, out of the two Basagam hosts, is the one who has way more kids these days. Rants. Have you yeah. noticed that? Yeah, because I'm fucking interacting with them. Unfortunately, <laughs> sucks. But like, yeah, I mean. I mean, do you okay? Can I ask you a question real quick? Like, do you do you collect records? Not collect, but do you have records? Do you have CDs? Do you have cassette tapes? So I have a bunch of CDs back from uh, when I was a bit younger, and I have a few vinyls for some of the bands that I particularly appreciate. Yeah. So, are, do you kind of buy things on the basis of like I'll listen to it, and then like okay, let's say just pick a band we probably like Iron Maiden or whatever. Like, Oh, I love this Iron Maiden record. This record's great. Therefore I'm going to make the investment to buy it on vinyl. Is that kind of how you do something? Yeah. So it's not Iron Maiden for me, although I'm a very big fan of Iron Maiden, but, um, so I've got one of my favorite bands, Agalock. I've got all their, their records on vinyl. Okay, cool. Agalock's great. That's, that's, that's exactly the mentality. And I think that's like, yeah, I think that's like the mentality of a lot of people. Whereas like, I, my mentality was just like, it's a way to discover stuff is like, you just go out and buy it. And I think that like you get a a certain level of appreciation. I'm not saying like what you do is wrong or anything like that or weird or anything like that. But like, I just like it. I'm like, we just come from a different era. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's just how we consumed. We, how we consumed media back then, which you bought it. And like, I find myself, um, this has been said so many times in other interviews by other people, but and it's hard as someone who owns a record label and puts out music, your best song and the best part of your best song should be in like the first 15 seconds of your record. Because that's how long you have before people are like, if they're not caught, if they're not interested, like they're moved, they've moved on. So it's like the thing about buying music was, was like, I spent $14 on this CD I'm going to leave it in my car for a while. And I've like come to appreciate a lot of things that I didn't like on my first spin. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing wrong with what you do or how other people do it. Or... There, there, there's something to be said with um, 
psychoanalyze this as you will, but like I sit in my room surrounded by media and it's like, yeah. there's my little nest. It's my little safe space. Uh, <laughs> which is whole. It's, it's, it's where all this cool shit that I can listen to. Look at all this potential. Look at, you know, I have 4,000 things I could listen to right in this room. And I'd be a fucking liar if I didn't. And that is fun. Yeah, I'd be like, a fucking just liar. Just something, throw it in. It, and like, it, that, if I didn't say that holding the record in my hand made me feel good. Yeah. Like it just does, you know? And like for some kids who like are listening to the show or doing stuff, maybe they don't have that experience of like putting on a record or whatever. And like, it was totally CDs in my generation, you know, mm -hmm. like, and vinyl is now cool and it's awesome. And I love vinyl and I've been, but I've always bought vinyl too. Yeah. I've always bought it. Um, but now it's just so prevalent. It's everywhere. But you know, it's just, it's one of those things. Like if you like, don't get it, like that's fine. Like I'm not mad at you anymore. Like, but also you, you can't change where you came from and when you were fucking born and what, what was, you know, what the world was like around you. You know, that's, that's, that we're products of that. Yeah. But also then you have to realize that we're going to lament the fact that record store culture is an incredibly important and vital thing. And when a record store goes away <clears throat> and everyone is so sad about it, cause like, Oh, I got so much cool music there and I discovered cool music there because I was like talking to the guys and, and they like showed me this and that and the other thing. And it's like, you know, how many records did you pre-order last year? How many records did you decide that you were just going to buy online because you wanted them right then and there rather than like the experience of going in and talking and asking them. And you know what happens is nine times out of 10, we have the fucking record on the set on the show. Well, well okay. Okay. Let's move on to the next question or Damien's going to get, get angry about the record store. Yeah. Physical media business. M my bad. Even more. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, I want to ask this question. Um, it's funny, actually. Ghost was at the Download Festival that I, I, I uh, tweeted at Damien about where, where Slayer was playing as well. Obviously, I went to see Slayer, not Ghost. But you guys have, I think in particular Damien, have talked quite frequently about Ghost and Lamb of God and how you don't like them. Um, expand a little bit on why you have focused on those, those two bands. Oh, because my, like, like I joke all the time about how my brain doesn't work. I literally think something happened to me and I can't remember shit anymore. <laughs> it's just like, those are just the go-to, like I shit on Behemoth a lot too. Just because I think those are the big Be Behemoth actually played band. there as well. Of yeah, course they well, did. Well, I, th those are, those are bands that have, um, kind of transcended the underground. Yeah. You know, the, the rare ones in the last 15 or 20 yeah. years that have become something more than just you know, a, a, a century media, a big act on century media or whatever, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think part of it is like, I don't know. I could, yeah. I could go down the list. Lamb of God, I think is just boring. I don't, they don't, I, I like their first couple of records, Ooh, uh, that sucks. But, I, but I never go back to them. And, and then they do this Pantera thing. We already talked about how like the Pantera aesthetic doesn't appeal. Um, it's it's funny because uh, we we went to Maryland Death Fest. The one time we went, we saw the first ever American show by Ghost, and we watched a couple of songs and went like, eh, I don't know about this. And like, it was the last show of the last night. Like, <laughs> everyone, was just, tired. everyone was Let's tired. Everyone was tired. Out of here, hungover. <laughs> We've been drinking for four days, and yeah, <clears throat> and in and in, in, you know, our eardrums are fucked. Um, and like, you know, I, I saw Ghost 
uh, touring for their first record and they were with Mastodon and Opeth. They played 30 minutes and they had like, I think they still have about like 25 minutes of good material. And I was like, okay, that's a cool show, 30 minutes. And that's, that's the extent of it. And it's funny because, because, um, that year at Death Fest, uh, Ghost was one of the headliners, but like at two in the afternoon, we saw Repugnant play. Bitch, I made you go see Repugnant. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I was that like, was, dude, that was you have to come see this band. Yeah. They're so sick. You're like, what are they? I'm like, they're death metal, but I like them. Yeehaw! Yeah. Um, and you were like, I don't know. And then you, I remember you were kind of like, I don't know how I feel about this. And then like three songs in, you're like, Oh, this is really this good. This is pretty cool, yeah. And then, like, you buy the record, and it's front to back bangers, you know. Yeah, it's it's and, and so like ridiculously good. Repugnant, yeah, repugnant rules. Visagum as fuck. You know? Totally. I mean, that's like, you know, put and out put out one record and EP, and and what's funny about else, repugnant just is that all great. How catchy it is. Yeah. So it's like you'd think that Ghost would write a catchy song every once in a while, but they don't. <laughs> I just like I you know they're the other thing too is like they were they had there had to be a band at some point that broke through the mainstream and th- they are a mainstream band I think they yeah, get played on mainstream for sure. radio for sure they have a Dave Grohl cosign they, they recorded they, play, in like, they played uh, in Los Angeles like headlined an arena gig you know I mean that, yeah they play like Coachella type places yeah. you know they're just a satanic kiss and and it's <laughs> it's just like. I mean, why do I shit on these big bands? I, I, I oh, that's because they fucking suck. But I don't shit on them just because they're big. Don't get I mean, it twisted. I, I, yeah, that's exactly it. If Overkill was that big, we wouldn't be shitting on them. I don't know? shit on Metallica. No, no, I mean, Metallica's ten times bigger than them. Yeah, and so. like, yeah, I mean, I don't shit on uh, Motorhead or Iron Maiden. Yeah, or Judas Priest. Yeah, um, Be- Be- Behemoth just has. Uh, and granted, I, I like some bands that have clean sound, you know, like newer Rotting Christ albums are very clean. Yeah. And I think they're amazing, though. And But, but Behemoth has this sort of antiseptic thing happening to my ears. And I, it, it just, I don't know, like... like it, to me, Behemoth, they have no foot in any one thing. It's like, yeah, they're and, a death and, metal band, they're a black metal band. They're a gothy part. They have like gothy parts. They have. They're trying very hard to be artsy. Yeah. Then they have these I, I high concept like art parts. I, I I almost think it's like too, uh, a little too contrived to my ear. Maybe I don't know. I yeah. I, I think, uh, Adam Darsky, Nergal, however, whatever you want to call him. I think yeah. he's a fascinating person. Okay. And I would much rather I haven't read his book, but I but I keep meaning to. I would much rather read his book than listen to the listen to the records, you know. Do you like the old Behemoth? The early there, There's a stuff? couple of them. There, yeah. There's a couple of them. I mean, and when they um, were when they were hardcore racist? No. No. But like, <laughs> but like the, the yeah. they they did that like kind of Nile Egypt record. I forget what it is. Oh, really? Demigod or whatever and, and it's oh. got like, wow, this is some really, you know, really catchy, interesting uh, riffs and stuff going on there, you know. Do I ever listen to them? No, no, I don't. No. There's 19 Overkill records. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't shit on these things because I know that it makes me look like a like a hater, and I am he is a 100 a born hater. Yeah, a full on hater. Um, but like some shit just needs to be hated on, and I'm there <laughs> to do it. I also hate on bands that have literally no fans. 
like some local band. I'll clown them too. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like if you suck, you suck. Like it's not it's not a jealousy thing. Do I wish that I was as big as Ghost? Fuck yeah. But I'm not like jealous about it. Damien, you're about 10 years younger than Sir, but I'm probably about 10 years younger than you. And it basically well, means... 26. Okay. Um, so it basically meant that I kind of skipped the sort of early uh, late 90s, early 2000s, which is something you touch on occasionally, as a pretty big, a pretty bad time for heavy metal. Um, I was wondering if you could sort of expand upon that um, and sort of explain... Like, what that kind of what what, what sort of happened? Like why heavy metal kind of died, and what was that that, that like for people who are fans of that kind of music? Well, I'm gonna let Serba mm. answer, like because Serba was lived through that. Yeah, and that I lived. Hand. I lived through like the tail end of it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I I was I saw Overkill in 1996. You know what I mean? Yeah play to 72 people you know yeah. and their in in their record was a little more groovy yeah. <laughs> you know more, more of a more in that kind of pantera style it's it, and, and i saw creator when they were touring behind their worst record you know yeah but you, but you go to see them because they're creator um but also they didn't have that 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 ancient old cult spirit at the time you know <laughs> pleasure to kill was just an album that came out 10 years ago. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like <laughs> we're coming up on the 25th anniversary I, of this touchstone of Teutonic underground thrash metal. It was just – they were just an old band at that point. Well, I mean the, the the difference is there just wasn't the bounty that there is today. You know what I mean? I mean in – and I and I'm thinking because the record store opened in 2000 and I was, I was pretty heavy uh, doing music journalism – um, in the late nineties. So I was heavily bombarded with, um, with a lot of, uh, with a lot of music. Frankly, I would open my, open my mail and get a giant pile of CDs from nuclear blast Promos, or, yeah. yeah, or the music cartel, which was that kind of stoner metal thing. And, and, and I think, um, if you looked hard enough, there's some really cool stuff. I, I would say that between, um, you know that that particular era, the nine, the late nineties and the early two thousands, um, you had some pretty, you know, I, I I look back on some of the like Demu Borgir and Emperor records that I listened to a lot at the time, and go, <laughs> you know what, that was that was pretty cool at the time. That that was sort of cradle of fucking rules. Yeah, cradle of filth. Um, it, so so you had like Europe was kind of holding things down in that sense. Um. And and then uh, on the other hand, that was like uh, when Queens of the Stone Age, you yeah. know, what was doing really cool, heavy, you know. I, I we used to we used to have a stoner rock section. Yeah, I had a few rows of stoner rock yeah. at the store, you yeah. know. Um, and and it was a lot of that uh, man's ruin. Um, yeah. Man's ruin, yeah. Man, man's ruin label. Yeah. Um, Music cartel stuff that like TP records exist. Yeah, now, TP that, records, that zone. and and, and, and there's a lot of cool shit there too. You know, I mean, there it, you look back and you go like, oh, there's some gems. There's some really good Fu Manchu and and Nebula and yeah. Fatso Jetson mm-hmm. records that that were coming out then that that were that were heavy and cool and catchy and riffy. Um, 
so I mean, you had to maybe had you maybe had to look a little harder than you do now. Um, and, and granted, that was an era when like Megadeth would come through and play the eighteen hundred seat venue and not sell it out. Yeah, I think come close. Yeah, yeah, I think come close. You know, but... like what? Okay, the question was like, what led to metal dying in like the nineties? And the answer I think is that like, I think at the time, like we live in a totally different era now with the internet and interconnectivity Mm -hmm. amongst people. So like we don't live in an era now of dominant culture. No, we live in an era of many dominant cultures, like to somebody, not, not, not just to somebody to thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Gucci Mane is the biggest rapper alive. He's bigger than Kanye. He's bigger than Jay-Z. He's bigger than whatever because of the influence and, and reach that he's had. Uh, similar things could be said of uh, Lana Del Rey with new, new kids that love her stuff or Ariana Grande or um, what the fuck? Fucking Foo Fighters mm-hmm. or Kings of Leon. Mm-hmm. You have these like, there's no like dominant culture. There's no one band that sort of, everybody gets behind well like, i i think what the way it used to be things would be cyclical you know yeah and, and i think they still are a little bit to a degree oh for sure um, for sure but i see that in hardcore a lot but like the late 90s and 2000s is is you know like napster internet where like all of a sudden the 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 cyclical nature of things was just starting to get blown to bits you know yeah and and, and i think there's things are still cyclical within there where like um, sure. You know, all of a sudden, people are giving a shit about those '80s thrash bands like Testament and Anthrax and Overkill yeah. now. You know, where Overkill has a has a more lucrative career <coughs> than they did at the time. Um. So I, it's, I, I just I just saw that like you know, metal had peaked and fallen, and you know, I I think it was ramping up a little bit because you had. Um, some of these labels like Century Media and Nuclear Blast and Relapse were growing at the time, you know? Yeah. And finding finding the good bands and making sure people heard them, you know, within that kind of old style of, yeah, and I, of the music. Yeah, and I also can't express how unfucking cool it was to be a metal fan in the 90s. Oh, yeah. I it mean, was like the least cool, like... It was a dinosaur shit. Like, like I, I'm trying to think now. You know, like, it's I, just, it wasn't cool when I was in high school either. You know, I right? Mean, and but now the thing is, like, we live in a culture now that like that reward. We live in a culture now that almost rewards subculture. Mm-hmm. Like, because subculture is a designator of coolness. Yeah. Like, oh, you're into that band. That, you're like, you're into nobody... comic books. Right. Geeks are cool. You know, when yeah, I was geeks are cool. Now. When I was 14, comic book kids were exiles. Yeah. I was one of them. Right. You know? So. And I was the guy, had I been in Serbis high school, he, I would have had his he, head in the toilet. Yep. He would have been beating me up. Yeah. No, he wouldn't have. I would have. No, he wouldn't have. I might have. I, I had a toe in every, in every subculture. Okay. All right. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I was the I was the smart kid with the Slayer shirt and mullet. Gotcha. But yeah, like Cradle of Filth, when I got their well, I got their record in ninety was it eight that Cruelty came out. I can't. Ninety six maybe ninety six. No, ninety six was uh, um, Dusk and Hermit. Okay, so ninety eight. So like when I got that Cradle record, it was 
Like, it's just funny because Cradle of Filth now they're like cool again. No, they're not that cool. But they're not that cool. But like for a while they were like the least cool band. Yeah. Like just the band that everybody clowned on. Like, have you not heard their records? Like they fucking rip. But they put out some kind of bummer records. But yeah. well, I mean, like, why clown on Cradle when you can clown on Dimmu Borgir, who are way more of a fashion show than they ever were? Yeah, know? for way, sure. Way more of a fashion show than Cradle ever was. But like, yeah. But the matter of fact is, like, these bands kept something going. Yeah. When you know something kind of, for lack of a better term, extreme, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess Serba kind of answered the question. I don't want to take up too much time, but it's going on about that. But yeah, I mean, you're you're of the age, you're of the right, you're of the age where like you kind of came up and like metal was a cool thing to be into. Yeah. Like I always liked punk rock and hardcore, which was always kind of had like this cool built-in subculture thing of like this is cool but like i was always the punk and hardcore kid they're like he also listens to metal (laughs) and it was just like it was kind of like frowned upon but now who's cool bitch it's me all the time (laughs) next question (laughs) so at that show i I went to um judas priest played slayer played Mm -hmm. uh two uh, obviously slayer has an intentional deadline of when they're finishing up judas priest will probably have a deadline that may be imposed upon them at some stage um (laughs) where where do you think heavy metal goes after those bigger bands go away just because of necessity i mean there's a there's a there's a time on all these things they can't they can't escape forever so so this is this is where damien brings up this topic and i put my fingers in my ears and go la 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 because I don't want to fucking hear it or think about it. <laughs> I I don't want to think about a time when, you know, there is no new Overkill record to look forward to. You like, know? Not even and, like- and it's and it's finite because I, I you know people are like, what newer bands do you listen to? And I go, uh, I listen to that Two Mold record one and a half times. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I I get that. In in that deadline is going to happen before i'm dead hopefully you know hopefully i won't w- walk out of here and get hit by a train. Yeah. but um uh that's a terrifying concept to me and we're starting to see it because you know slayer is like we're done yeah know, I, I bring uh, that up lemmy to... lemmy is dead yeah i brought that up to serve because he was kind of like well i think i was talking about maiden or something like that and i was just like i'm gonna go see them as many times as possible because they will cease to be a band most likely within my lifetime. You know, and way sooner than you, you will ever want them to, too. Yeah. yeah. And actually, which is funny because I just saw a thing from Bruce Dickinson today where he was like, I have no, he was like, we have no reason to retire. Yeah. We'll go on indefinitely, yeah. which like, I mean, Nico McRain is 66 years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like, and, and my, 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 one of my big hangups is so like, not, not to get like too, personal or deep but like when you and i went with a couple other people and saw maiden what was that six or six years ago or whatever and it was the first time i had ever seen him and i was standing there like watching the guy in front of us with bring his like 12 year old or 10 year old kid yeah fucking iron maiden yeah jesus (laughs) you know and and since then, I'm like that. That's one of the things that convinced me to have offspring. <laughs> Frankly, I, this is not a lie. And so now, I, my man know. had a kid, so he could take him to an overkill show. <laughs> call, call the law. 
follow the law. But, but you know, last week I saw Metallica, and and I'm like, fuck! I wish my kid wasn't four. I wish he was eight. We should have busted that nut eight this. years ago. Yeah, and he'd be seeing this with me right now, and, and his mind would be blown. Right now, I can go like, you want to listen to some metal? And you go, yeah. You want to listen to some Iron Maiden? Yeah. And I'll show him the phone, and he'll go, I want that one. And he points to the number of the beast. He doesn't know what he's pointing at. He yeah. sees a cool color and some monsters. Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. So, I, I, I don't know. I'm... I'm I'm rambling off topic because I, yeah, just, I don't I don't want to think about the demise of of all of no my I, I think bands. I dude I think your I think your question is amazing because yeah. it's something that I literally have brought up recently that like I'm not a huge like show goer at all I hate going to shows I hate everything you don't you don't hate going to shows I didn't go see Metallica a band I love it's partly my fault you didn't go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, we, but but realize but realize how little it took for me to not go. I don't know. That's not that's not. It's how, neither that, here nor there. The, see, you but know, like, I just I also am just a born hater for everything. You're 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 so up and down when it comes to that though, because there are times like, dude, we've got to go see fill in the blank, and we hop yeah. in the car and we get a hotel and we drive, and that that's effort. That yeah. is not someone who hates going to shows. So don't overstate it. Okay. I know you. I know there are times where it's. Like, All right, shut up, you old bitch. Let me. Where it's let me just finish. like I'm going to. I'm going to see this because it's down the street, and I feel obligated to see whoever. Yeah, and I sometimes I feel less obligated if it's down the street. I'm like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> I'm not. Gonna, I'm not. You know, they, they like, are. This isn't very exclusive. They're playing our. Yeah, it's you know, like second or third tier. It's market. Like if Pearl Jam was playing in my backyard, I'd fucking go get gas or something. Yeah, you know, it's like, uh, like. But but you know those bands like it's, it's interesting to think because it's like we are kind of living in that golden like fucking Ozzy Osbourne is going to die yeah he is like soon he, he was supposed to, yeah, he was supposed to play at that show uh, that that festival that I was at and he was sick so yeah. he didn't play yeah 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 so I mean it's it's one of those things like we're we're, we're seeing I mean I think Lemmy really shook a lot of the community yeah of the metal community like you saw like a lot of guys like. Huh, like I guess you really can't live forever because you have guys like Keith Richards and whatever who are Well, just... well, and, and and I think the 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 difference is I mean we've seen a lot of you know a lot of people die early like Peter Steele and yeah and whatever and 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 so the first one was Dio right you know yeah. who died he was old but he died a little bit young yeah. and and Lemmy is the same kind of deal where like <coughs> Excuse me. Was he even seventy yet? You know what I mean. Yeah. And um, and all of a sudden, your immortal heroes are fucking mortal as hell. Yeah. And 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 and, the, and there's that that mourning that that despair you feel when it's like there is not going to be a new Motorhead record. Where I think you're a little bit had, fucking you weird had? about it because you have despair about it. Like, well, I think most I'm, people, I'm not saying most people aren't like avid like fans enough of metal to be like. But, I want to hear a new Motorhead. No, record, but like but I'm did. talking about my own experience, yeah. where I am the one who every twenty months was like, "Fuck, first day Motorhead record buyer," you yeah. know, um, and that's not going to happen again. Yeah, I mean, I was you know, and, and and I'm going to see Metallica, and I'm like, "Is this going to happen again?" These yeah. these guys could just like wrap up this cycle, and they go, "You know what?" I think we're done. Yeah, I've Lars got, could just go I've got like forty million in my pocket. 
Yeah, Lars could just literally go like, fuck this, I'm just going to collect art. And no one's going to be mad at him, but I mean, it's like, that'll be the end of it, you know? Yeah. And it's like, we live in a time, it's an interesting time, we missed a lot of good stuff. Like, you know, a huge regret, like, and it's funny too, because I really shouldn't be so anti-shows as I am, because I pass up shows all the fucking time. Like, I could have seen Typo Negative. Yeah, well. You know, and I didn't. Like a dumbass. You know, I, I, I regret that. I'm like, there were, there were other things too that I could have seen and regretted, but we live in like a golden era. So like, I think it's cool for like you, Ben, to like go to a festival and to be able to see Slayer. Oh, you know what was funny is that I told the story on the show. Um, someone gave me a ticket to the Megadeth Slayer Anthrax show. Yeah. That was at, um, it was the big, the big three, the big three was at Deltaplex in town. And the reason I didn't go was because I said Jeff Hammond's the only cool guy in Slayer. <laughs> and I didn't want to see three fucking losers on stage. Yeah. And that that was literally the reason I didn't go. And that was that was and that was the last that. time he played in town. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like I and that's just me being a fucked up loser. Ninety nine percent of the people who are listening, actually strike that hundred percent of the people who are listening, are like, You're a moron. <laughs> and I am. But like we're living in a finite time, like, and it's it's not going to happen. These bands aren't going to be around forever, so go see the bands, like, even if it's a member down, you know, yeah. or two members down, or whatever. Go see them. Mm. Like you saw Priest. That oh, it's funny you mentioned Anthrax. Anthrax actually played as well, but I got bored, and so I walked away. Um, Hell oh. yeah, dog! Blasphemy! <laughs> I've it's seen Anthrax. Blasphemy. I've seen Anthrax fifteen times. I can't tell you a single fucking thing about them. They are wallpaper. They're like, I they're they're forever opening for a show that I'm at. <laughs> like whatever show <laughs> that Serba drags me to, I'm like, oh, Anthrax is opening, great. So I, I'm with you, but I think Anthrax probably speaks more to your age, and also like my age too. Like you know, I even though I'm ten years older than you almost, but the the, um, the thing is like, um, Anthrax were normal dudes but they were big and colorful too that's why they were huge yeah for a little while in the 80s you know um and i i don't know i i think they have a very they have a distinct sound to them they're not just another thrash band i think they distinctly suck i i mean they they don't i i i think they're they're a thrash band but they're they transcended a little bit and, and not just because yeah. you know they they did into a, what direction I don't they did, know a, they did a hit song with Public Enemy or whatever right. I I you know but but I could throw on Spreading the Disease right now and that album fucking yeah will rock you I that, fuck with Fistful I fuck ass. with Fistful too uh, whatever but all right whatever next question this guy's a fucking loser talking about uh, Anthrax I, I'll 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 die on the Anthrax hill yeah you go for it it's an ant hill but I'll die on it. <laughs> yeah it's a very small hill. <laughs> Something I think that's come up quite a few times, particularly in the Overkill episode, is the the idea that a lot of these people aren't the Metallicas. They're not, you know, getting rich off this. They're not even necessarily able to survive off of playing music. Um, and it's almost like metal in a way is something you kind of something you kind of suffer for. Uh, what do you what do you think that sort of role in you know, this kind of music is? So, uh, can I take the lead on this one? Um, I, it's interesting because I was actually just talking to one of my buddies who is like a actually a suffocation fan. Mm-hmm. 
And I think the singer from Suffocation posted, I could be wrong, but I think he posted like, uh, he's an old white guy, so I'm just going to go ahead and go on a limb and say this is true. Mm -hmm. He posted a bitching rant on Facebook about how he loves the band, but he's got a house in the suburbs and he's got four kids Mm -hmm. and like, it's just not working anymore. Well, yeah. And and he's leaving the band. He's leaving him. So they're doing this big tour. Yeah. And he's leaving the band because he doesn't, he can't be in suffocation because it's not fiscally manageable or responsible for him to be in suffocation. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, my, my thoughts are a couple of things, if I may. And one is that a lot of these bands, probably mismanage things because like they have two or three road guys. They have a light guy. They have a sound guy. They have merch guy, you know, and it's like, they're not keeping close track of where that money goes. Mm -hmm. Whereas like the scene that I came up in, like the DIY more punk and hardcore scene, like you maybe had a guy that didn't do t-shirts for you. Yeah. And it's like, then the money got split much more evenly. So as a result, you see lit- quite literally hardcore bands playing to two to 300 kids a night, making less money, but reserving a larger percentage of it and therefore surviving better than a band that, I mean, like, su- don't get twisted. Like suffocation does fucking well in Europe mm-hmm. and other places that like, they they don't have that infrastructure to like they just I, I don't want to say they're mismanaging, but also it's just like, yeah, I mean nobody's getting rich, but also you look at like overkill and like <laughs> it's their job. Like That's their I'm, that's their forty hours a week, you know. That's the thing. They took over their own management. Exactly. They invested, they invested and, and that's in their my own point. studio and that kind of stuff. DD so. bought his own studio shit and they did that. And so they started recording themselves and doing their own demos. Mm-hmm. And then like Bobby manages the band. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, like that's how you make a living is that you do the work. But, you know, I, you can make – it's easier to make a living now. Because I, it, it, overkill, there's there's a thing where like you know maybe you're not selling a lot of records like you used to. Um, overkill is probably selling more records, more copies of From the Underground and Below in 1997 than they are yeah, of their new one for sure right now. Yeah, you know what sure. I mean. Um, but but they can make more money now, and and the record is almost you know the hood ornament at this point. Yeah, on the car. Um, but I think. Uh, I don't know. I from a from a practical standpoint, you know, I think Chuck Billy and Eric Peterson live in nicer houses than they did twenty years ago. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and but yeah. but on the other hand, I will also say on a less practical standpoint, in a in a way more, you know humanistic approach to things, anyone who's on the road half the year, that's suffering. You know what I mean? That's that's suffering for your art. That's a dedication uh, yeah, to it I, that, I, that not a lot of people I, do. I, I mean, uh, I'm hesitant to call. I'm hesitant to pat someone on the head because they had like the daily grind of like get up, get on the bus, or get in the van, or like get well, on the plane, get checking out of the hotel, and again, every city looks the same. Then you sound check, and then you got to eat bad food, and then you got to sit on an uncomfortable couch, and then it's like you do your thing, but it's like. Dude, if you if you worked if you worked a day job at home, it's like you'd have to like get up, 
it's 90 fucking degrees outside and you have to mow your lawn and you got to go pick up, you know, it's just, it's all the same. It's bullshit that but these like, people suffer. Like, fuck you. You're not suffering. Traveling. Yeah. Traveling sucks. Traveling taxes the human body. Yeah, it does. And it's so, so don't discount that. That's and, it, my and it taxes relationships at home. Like a lot of these guys are well, married. No, no, no. no but, but then beyond that, it's like it takes a certain constitution of person to go to for for Blitz to be like, yeah, this is what I do, you know? Yeah. And you've acclimated yourself to that. And the guy from Suffocation is like, I'm worn down, you know? Yeah, and, but you I know? think a lot of it too is like these bands are like getting older a lot of them have, like, families and stuff like that and kids and that sort of thing. And, like, yeah, be, you be gone six months out of the year and see how your wife likes it. You know what I mean? And it's, mm-hmm. like, she might appreciate it that, like, <clears throat> the bills are being paid or whatever. But, like, it's that's a difficult to be in that relationship. That's not easy. Yeah. Like, and, you know, you want to, like, see your kids grow up and – do stuff like that. Like there's that documentary, the other F word. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? No, it's about punk rock guys who are dads. So it's uh, about fatherhood. Okay. And it was like with the main dude in the band was a singer from Pennywise. And the tension in the band was, it was exactly that. It was that he was the guy in the band who like got married and had a kid. Mm-hmm. And like, while the other three guys in the band were kind of like, it kind of painted them poorly, like drinking and partying. and like, yeah, we'll go on tour. He was just like, okay, Yes, I will go on tour, but, like, I really want to be home in January because that's, like, my kid's birthday or whatever, you know? And it's, like – and them not understanding it and, like, or caring. But that's a a side point. There's a a component to it where – I want to say something about getting rich, too. Don't let me forget. There's a component to it where um, some of these guys are nine-to-fivers and uh, they might take a – two weeks vacation from whatever their job is, whether they're a, a dentist or a, or a drill press operator. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that is a level of dedication that I have a lot of respect for because as someone who did the 40 hour a week thing and has a family and I'm like, man, where do people find the time to write songs and put out a record? and play and get together with people, you know, that's a level of dedication that that's like, you know, um, there's some suffering there too, where you're sure something, something has to give just in a purely practical time management kind of thing. Sure. You know, and, um, or, or, or there's these guys who, you know, work the shittiest job at the post office or whatever and come home work at guitar center in the only thing, Thing they can do to feel better about themselves is to sit down and write some fucking riffs. Yeah, I mean, you know, so. I, I don't know. I'm not going to even speak on that because I don't give a fuck about anybody or anything other than myself. But like, <laughs> when people are talking about getting rich off of metal, metal has something that like rap doesn't have. Like every rapper. Um, like when you sell a few thousand records or you do a few shows and you get like a big, you get some money like rap. Uh, like what's the first thing you do? You get, you get some jewelry, you get a chain, you get some teeth, you get whatever. And like punk rock and hardcore and heavy metal, like 
like rappers will openly say like, all I got is this chain on my neck, but I got it. You know what I mean? Like I earned this chain Mm -hmm. by working hard, staying in the studio, putting out these songs. And like, I earned this chain and they're not saying like, I'm like a fancy car or they'll buy a fancy car or whatever. But it's like, they're very proud of the fact they've earned that because that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. And like in punk rock and heavy metal and hardcore, it's like, Eric, like, just pretend, Eric, we love you. Eric, please come on the show. Uh, but, like, what if, like, what if you found, like, Eric Peterson drove, like, a Land Rover? You're like, wow, you're making that much money on Testament, huh? You can drive a fucking Land Rover? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, like, you, it's, like, it's almost a dirty word to be financially rewarded for this, like, blue-collar, anti-hero, anti-authoritarian music. Whereas I'm just, like... I I would love to think I that like Chuck Billy can go can not have to worry about where he's going out to eat. Yeah. <laughs> he can spend a fucking whatever he wants and he can go and he can go on a vacation and like live in a nice house. And I think that these metal bands a lot of them make the grind because I think by and large metal fans are blue collar working class people. It's not like high concept jazz where it's like you have academic types who are like yeah. college people who live a certain lifestyle and that's the kind of music that they, they're into. Or nor is it teenage music like Ariana Grande or whatever where it's like she knows that her fans are like getting CD money from their parents. But you know what? Metal is just I, – I, people are just – no matter who they are, people are complicated. They're bundles of contradictions. Everyone's a hypocrite. And the fact of the matter is there are some – People who are driving a Land Rover and are fucking angry at the world, you know. Yeah. So there, there's nothing wrong Range with Rover. with uh, driving a Land Rover and turn around and, and writing "fuck you" to the world songs. Oh, I, I, I don't have that problem at all. Are complicated, you know. So yeah, that, I, that's that's my counter to that kind well, of. Well, no, no, I, I didn't want you black to think and white that, but I didn't want you to no, think I, that that was my point. No, I'm not. I'm I'm just I'm just ranting against the people who are who are going to judge. Make judgments like that. And yeah, and I also think too that it's just look, also look inward. Don't project outward. Talking to me? I am. Oh, <laughs> uh, but like I also think too, it's a bit gauche. It's a bit gauche, and it would be really dumb if like, like, like Kanye, like has a tour and then comes home and just like tweets a picture of him on a bed of money. Everyone's like, that fucking rules. Like, that's wild. That's sick. Jay-Z is a fucking billionaire. But, like, if, like, Testament made a shit ton of money on tour, and they were like, we made so much fucking money. This is insane. Like, Chuck Belly, like, posted a picture of him with, like, $100 bills raining on top, and people were like, fuck you, asshole. No, it's, it's just a different different world, a different aesthetic. It's a different world. It's a different aesthetic. So I think that when <laughs> bands so- talk about not being rich – uh, I'm not saying they're ri- like, of course you're not rich, but like you're providing. Well, I mean, you're doing all right. Yeah. You're doing all right. Yeah. Ben, uh, just so you know, whenever Damien starts talking about rap, I Shut just, up. I start to, I start to fade. I'm, I, I fade into the background, you know, start yawning. Fade to black. It's like just, J- it's like just, the, there's a Jay-Z song called fade to black. There yeah, should be a metal song called fade to black. Yeah, there should be. Anyway, there should be. Sorry. <laughs> Something you've touched on is controversial lyrics, statements, and beliefs about some of the bands you've covered. 
that's something that you don't really seem to engage with Cerber in any of the episodes. I was wondering if you could sort of expand upon why that is. Why I don't engage with it? Because mm. I other people have said things about it that are that's more interesting than what I'm going to say. And 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 this just comes back to the the people are contradictions. You know, I mean, do, do I do do I subscribe to um murder and whatever Cannibal Corpse writes about? You know, no. Does it? Who who does? Who who that's who's who who is a Cannibal Corpse fan who's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to go home and fucking kill some people and rape the dead body, <laughs> you know? So I, I I just think that it's it's such a complicated subject that to sit sit down and to and to make any kind of broad statement about it, I don't know. Um, do do I have I burned my Burzum records? I haven't. Yeah. No, I haven't. Right. You know. Do I think the guy is a complete <clears throat> garbage human being? Of course. He's murdered people, you know. He's he's prejudiced, you know, deeply deeply prejudiced. Um like but and by his own admission. Yeah, you know, in in I'm I'm not going to like listen to guys spouting you know, lyrics praising the Third Reich just because they have cool riffs. You know what I mean? I don't know. There, there's a there's a level of uh, of complication there at times where I'm like, I don't know. This is problematic. <laughs> and problematic is a is a is one of those words that <laughs> people it's, throw around. It's a problematic. Lot. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I. I understand almost every approach to it. I I you're, I, un- I understand people who are like separate the art from the artist and I understand people who are like, you know, uh I don't want to listen to this band. There's 5000 other bands making really good music that I could listen to. And that's you know? fair. That's it, they're fair. all fair arguments. And th- so I don't I don't have anything counter to say about any of it. Yeah. <laughs> so so I just kind of like I, shrug I, it off. Yeah, and I mean and I, also, and, 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 you and also like, don't want to invite controversy on Serba. <laughs> Do you know I'm like that's honest. Like I don't want you Well, like, well, live or die, no one gives a fuck about me. Well, but but the th- the thing is um acknowledging it you know in in the brazil episode you damien was very um adamant about acknowledging that sex trash writes some pretty gnarly stuff yeah you know um and and i made a comment like dude i just want to talk about riffs which is a dumb thing to say it really is you need to acknowledge the stuff um you, you also need to acknowledge that that the world's a complicated place yeah 100 percent and I just didn't want to be, and I said that too, and I think I cor- like didn't correct you. Correct's not the right word, but I was like, that's an argument I see online. Is people go, oh, I'm good fuck. I just like the riffs. Yeah, and it's like you're. That is not how you feel. At no, all. no, not at all. And that's, I didn't want that over, you to be misrepresented. No, that oversimplifies oversimplifies yeah. it too much. I and I, I was I was being dismissive. Yeah, and me, however, I'm far more willing to accept any of that shit. Like. Than maybe most people, or maybe like even Serba, like I'm willing to like 
I, I don't know, man. Like, in all honesty, and like, don't cancel APL. <laughs> like, don't cancel that shit. Because it's like, I, I, I believe in God. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I like a, I have faith. And every single metal band, almost, <laughs> is in direct opposition to the thing that I believe. And it's like, and if I can let that slide, if I can let, like, the mockery of Jesus Christ, like, if I can let that go, like, why, why are you going to be up my ass about, like, if some band, like, drunkenly posted a Sig Heil photo, whatever. It's like, first of all, no debate, bad taste, bad decision, brother. <laughs> Don't do that. You look like a fool. But, like, I, I also am just – I refuse to – I just – I think that people are way – exactly like Service said. People are way too complicated. The world is hardly ever black and white. And it's like, yeah, I, I like Graveland. I think they're cool. And that the only other argument I've ever heard that makes sense is, like, yeah, but there's lots of other bands that do that yeah. that aren't that way. And uh, actually, maybe not because Graveland has a real specific sound that targets those kind of weirdos. But, like – you know, I like th there's so much. And like, let me ask you this, like, do you know every band you listen to? Like, and I even see this now pop up on the Internet. People are like, I wish I knew a band's stance on trans rights before I listen to them. And I think that, like, it's interesting. And if that's something that matters to you, like, like, I, I get that you don't want to listen to a band. That, that hates is, who you are. That, or yeah. not even if you're trans or not, but hates. Yeah. That has something that you believe, like, you believe in, you know, like. So it's like whether you're trans or not. Like, so, I mean, it's like, no, I, I get that. But I I just come from a different way of viewing art. And I think that, like, a majority, if not all of the art that I enjoy is made by severely damaged and fucked up people. And I don't think that much good art comes from happiness. I think it comes from like internal struggle and it's, it's not pleasant. And like, I don't think that everything in the world is meant to be pleasant. Like, you know, walking, you know, walking the dog, even though this fucker was barking like an asshole, like walking the dog and like going to get a coffee, sitting there enjoying somebody like that's meant to be, that's meant to be like, unencumbered and nice but like art is complicated and people are complicated and I, I yeah like do i go out and like tacitly endorse <laughs> bands that have like racist or sexist or misogynistic things like no but if it, like it comes up it's not a thing to me that would be like fuck this band they're out and again the argument would be made like you're a straight white male <laughs> so like you don't have that sort of thing and i and i always say bring up the fact too that it's like well, i'm only half white like i'm as white as barack obama and bob marley <laughs> like we're me and bob marley we're both 50 percent white me and barack obama we're both 50 percent white well, so i grew up in like a different culture even though i look mostly white or whatever you know there, there's there's a but that doesn't but, but that doesn't give me an excuse to be anything but i'm just saying I've had that leveled at me before, like, oh, you're a straight white man. And it's just like, but you don't know me. See, it's, yeah. it, it, it reads to the fact that it's like, I'm complicated. I grew up years and years of people giving me fucking dumb looks because I was hanging out with my dark 
dark dad and going dad and people going like, oh, that's weird. Like he must, he be, must adopted. be adopted yeah. or like he must be, he must have married the wife or something like that. And I was like, yeah. yeah, he did marry the wife. And three years later I was born, you <laughs> dumb bitch. <laughs> I, I, I think part of it is, um, you know, a fascination with the capacity of the human character. And I, and I sound like a pretentious asshole. No, you sense. have to in this conversation. But, but there, there's a, um, I, you know, I, I am so annoyed listening to Varg Vikernes talk, <laughs> but like, there's a part of me that's fascinated with what he has to say and why and how he got there. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And, and, and but, but there, there's a line that I draw there where I'm like, I don't want to give this asshole my time, my page view. You know what I mean? Right. Because that, that's currency now. Um, you know, and so, uh, I, so I discount that. That being said, if he made another metal Burzum record, that was this kind of nature worship thing that all, that a lot of the Burzum records are probably give it a good half dozen spins because it's, none of the Burzum records are political or what. Yeah. Yeah. Way. You know, I mean, it, there's, there's a, um, People take issue with personal. It's it's fat. It's a fascination with how one person can be one way here and another way there, and and how do they get there, and who are they, and um, and and that I think is just uh, being interested in yeah the way things are, and the way people are, and the way the in what the human creature is, and and how how complicated people can be, you know. Um, there, there's, uh, I will say that there are instances where, like, I don't know if I can listen to Michael Jackson the same, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, it, 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 one of the things I found really fascinating was, um, I'm a huge Simpsons fan, and Damien's going to shit on me for this, but I'm a huge Simpsons fan, and, and after, um, you know, the big Michael Jackson documentaries came out, um, the producers of The Simpsons pulled the episode out of circulation that Michael Jackson had a guest voice on. And it was, he, Michael Jackson used being on the Simpsons as currency to attract children to him, because that's something that children would find fascinating. Did he? About him. Speculatively. Sure. And they, and they were like, this doesn't sit right with us. Sure. And sure. It's sure, not, sure. A, it's not going to show on TV. Yeah. Again. No, I, I, I understand that. So, I, so, but, but again, that's not an absolute, that's one example. That's also um, a hell of a speculation too. Yeah, it is. But like, I don't know, but, like, but so, so where, where it comes from, as far as music goes with me, um, like I, Marduk is an example where it's like, where they're slippery. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're being, they're kind of being purposely slippery. A guy who came into the store the other day was like, I think they're Nazis. And I'm like, I don't know, man. And yeah. it, it, but they to, certainly to, use that imagery heavily to, to the, but, but then there's also the idea of, uh, um, uh, representation is, is not, not endorsement, endorsement you yeah, know totally uh, just just and, because yeah I'm with a you. journalist writes a story about something horrific 
that happened in World War II or yesterday doesn't mean there's an endorsement of it. But but that's that's also a weird, slippery thing where like, okay, a journalism a journalist has a voice. A journalist for the Washington Post has a voice. And if they keep writing stories about what about people shooting each other, other people with guns are going to look at that and be inspired to go. See, I, yeah, I don't know if that that's that's how that tracks. Well, no, I, I'm not saying that, but you know, when something ha- something has a platform that that's is that big, it can be influential. I guess no matter what it is, whether whether you're uh, um, Metallica writing borderline thrashy songs that cross over to large audiences that's influential yeah you know because the platform is that big so i mean so can i ask you a question ben like because you're different because you're in the age group that's interesting like like the 26 year old kind of bracket like what i see online is people who kind of stuck their head into the underground um were just like Oh, like, and they're like, this is great. Then they kind of, it's, it's like, it's like, you know, when you walk into a house and you're like, oh, this is nice. And then, you know, as you're walking through the house, you're like, this carpet is gross. And like, (laughs) the walls are bad. And like, oh, the faucet's leaky. And you, you kind of start seeing all the things that are wrong with it. And you have people that are radically trying to change it, which like, that absolutely should happen. Like, if you don't like the way something is, 100% 100% do something about it. Like, start a band, do whatever. But, like, I see, like, people that are like, I want death metal, no death. Yeah. <laughs> I want black metal, no black. Yeah. I mean, is that something that you would say is fair and, like, you see in, like, your age group? Um, I don't know, because I don't necessarily have that many... I, I don't really follow people on Twitter or those kind of platforms who have yeah, got- that kind of agenda but also interest in kind of metal. It is interesting. It's something I kind of struggle with because, you know, I've, I've always considered myself a death metal fan, even though I probably lean a bit towards black metal now. Cannibal Corpse, one of the original bands that sort of got me into that kind of style. And all the death stuff, if people complain about death, I don't really care about that. I mean, it's all sort of fiction. It's all sort of horror movies have been doing it for ages. It's basically the, the totality of human history is talking about the death of people. But, like, they do have, like, one, two albums that are basically about rape. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. that that's where I'm like, hang on, where, where, where's the line between, um, you know, just fictional uh, representations of violence and actual sexual, vi- violent sexual ideas? So, I don't know, that, that's, that's, that's one of the things that I sort of am not quite sure about yet. Yeah, and I, I hear metal people all the fucking time go like it's just like a horror movie man i'm like here's my fucking question then who what fucking depraved asshole was like let's let's write a movie about someone being raped and murdered and then like we're gonna get 40 people together to make sure the lighting is just right and then we're gonna hire people (laughs) called actors to pretend to be raped and then we're gonna edit it together in a visually pleasing way so it's like when people are like, it's just like a horror movie past each I'm like, well, fuck the horror movie too then. <laughs> like you can't have it both. That's what I say when I mean death metal, no death. Yeah. yeah. Like that's what I mean. I'm like people go, oh, well, it's just like, you know, it's just fantasy or I was just like, well, what the fuck? Like have you ever killed somebody? Yeah. Let me ask. Ben, have you ever punched somebody before? 
No, I've not. Okay, I have. It rules. <laughs> but I've I've never I've never killed anybody. But I have punched the fuck out of somebody one like a couple times. And that is an extreme feeling of power that like you have exerted your will in a physical confrontation like and you you hurt somebody. And like that that is that is a, a base level human thing. But then what, what my mind doesn't understand is like in a, I had an intense reaction in an in interaction with somebody that manifested itself in physical violence. Uh, but then I could I could and people would probably say yeah, all physical violence is wrong. I would probably say you don't know the story. So maybe I was right. <laughs> uh, maybe the guy was a Nazi. Right. That's what everybody's in, you know, punching a Nazi. Um, so wh- why is it OK for people to just write horrible fucked up stories and making in movies and comic books like comic books are very dark too at times right yeah like, super dark you know like that was what was the deal when i was a kid like comic books are not just superman it's like spawn is, is raping the minds of american children <laughs> but so, so that's kind of what i mean like i don't mean to get off on a topic but like i you know it's like a lot of people that it, it is a fantasy to people and it's like you've never been in a fight you've never killed somebody this is a very heavy topic. Like the closest I've come to killing somebody is punching someone's lights out. And it was an intense moment. And I think that like people take things like murder too lightly. That's, that was my point is that like, yeah, it's glorifying murder and blah, blah, and gore and serial killers and stuff like that. And I'm like, that shit's not cool either. I don't know. The, the, the lines keep moving. The, That's yeah. The totally, thing totally. Because it's like, you can write a million shows, million songs about murdering Christians, but you, the one about murdering Jews is right. is the one that's gonna get that's gonna get you persecuted, you know. And um, it, and I'm not saying either one is right, <laughs> you know. I, yeah, don't kill know. Christians, please. <laughs> like so, but like, don't do it. Also, don't kill anybody. <laughs> exactly. But that I, was okay. But go ahead. go ahead. Oh, okay. I would say okay. So I'll contradict myself because you said the line is moving. Yeah. Child molesters. Yeah. I have a hard line. I, it's it's just if you molest children, you die. That is my opinion. If you harm children physically, that a physical abuse mm-hmm. of a child, you harm a child physically, whether it's physically or sexually. I don't think you deserve to live. Well, but I, I mean, my thing, my so, thing is so there you like, go. I'm anti-death and anti-murder, but it's like when people go, I'm against the death penalty, except for in these circumstances. Yeah. I'm like, well, then you're for the death penalty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't know. It, it's just context. Yeah. To contextualize and recontextualize and recontextualize. There's value in all in that. You know what I mean? I, I think part of the reason why it's okay to write a zillion songs about killing Christians is because that is um, – it's an okay rebellious point of view because there are so many Christians and Christians have power. You know? Yeah. I, I, that's, that's – you know. I guess. I mean – Well, in, in our society. Yeah, but I mean – So, yeah. I don't know. So my question for you, Ben um, – how weird is it that the guy in your favorite band, Agalock, made some controversial statements? 
You know, I mean, I, what do you do? <laughs> you, yeah. sit you, just, you sit there, you sit there and you go, shit. I, I, One of the guys I admire might not be the nicest guy in the world. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. This is something I've been thinking about for ages. I mean, Burzum, I think, is the classic example because of, you know, possibly one of the more influential people in kind of that, that's, you know, black metal. And he's like a really bad guy. And he's, he's yeah. he, not not just like a bad guy, you know, he has sort of personal opinions, but openly expresses those opinions. And I, I don't know. I... That's kind of why I asked. I want your opinion on it because it just—it seems to me one of those problems which is very difficult to find a really clean solution to. But he okay. But Varg didn't act on the problems that everyone has with him. Everyone hates that he's a racist, like like bigoted, whatever. It's like the crime that he committed. He killed a fellow like white Norwegian dude. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's like. fucking kill a muslim guy he he destroyed priceless artifacts yeah you know yeah it's like so he he took things off the earth that can never be replaced totally yeah like he he destroyed a dominant force in the culture obviously so like what do you think about the agalock dude like he made some kind of -of out-of-pocket comment that was anti-semitic right i honestly this is news to me I, i haven't seen it Oh fuck! <laughs> Never mind. Where, where, where did no? Out of genuine interest, when did it happen? Oh, God. oh it was a few, a a few weeks, weeks ago. ago he really, um, jeez. Yeah, it was. It was news it was, travel slowdown to Australia. Damn. Yeah. It was. Oh, I'll have to get rid of those was, vinyls in, I guess. Yeah. Well, no. No. Dude, let me know. DM me. I'll buy them from you. <laughs> I, I have no problem owning them. Well, he he made he made uh, a couple of like stereotypical kind of anti-Semitic comments he said, in, in a in the comment section of a Facebook post. Yeah, he referred to Facebook. Please, I mean, okay, all the shit I say can be taken yeah, out of context. But he said exactly. Juden book. Yeah. So, like, he said, like, Juden being the German word for Jewish. Yeah. You make your own connection there. So it's a, it's a charged... So it's a charged statement. He was like, oh, yeah, I guess that wouldn't work on Juden book. And it's like... So people were just like, fuck Agalock, burning the records and shit like that and throwing them away. And it's like, uh, that's, that's kind of what drives me crazy about all this stuff. And it's like, I understand that like, if you're like, and, you know, and his bandmates in his new band are like, we don't want anything to do with yeah, it. His, his band, band's over. The band's over. Yeah. Also his, his bandmates have been in kind of, they've been pretty shitty about the whole breakup thing and they looked like extra. Petty. No, no, like no, his current bandmates, whatever. Pilarian, oh yeah, Pilarian, that's true. Yeah. His, that band's done. You yeah. Know, his the, current bandmates. They're, yeah. They're like, no, we don't want to do it. We don't want anything to do with this. Guy yeah. The Pilarian guys know. were just like, Ooh, yeah, sorry. We got to move on. Cause they probably want to have careers that last, <laughs> you know, longer than, than John Helm or whatever. But like, <clears throat> I think when people have that gut reaction, I understand that like, if somebody says something that is offensive to you and it shocks you and it hurts your feelings, I understand not wanting to listen to that or, or to push back in some way you to know? push back in to push back in some way. What I don't like is the, the way that the culture operates now that they're like, Michael Jackson, you mean that good? Well, I, or it's like, or Michael Jackson's not even that good. It's like, no, he was a fucking genius. He, he did committed horrible crimes. Most likely. Although, we got to remember this motherfucker beat the charges. So did R. Kelly once. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's like in a different in a different time. In a different time, 
And then it's like, okay, so then if you say, well, it doesn't matter that you 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 broke the chart, you know, you beat the charges. I'm not going to accept the results. It's like, oh, well, then you sound like Donald Trump, yeah, who's like, if I lose the election, I won't accept the results. So, so what what happens is like, say John Hom comes out and is contrite, you know, hey, I said a dumb thing, you know, I have things to work on. Um, I also think it was a private message and someone screenshotted it, no, him. No, it wasn't. It wasn't private. Oh, okay. it, it might have been on like a private. Facebook, Facebook or something like page that. The point is, like somebody that. snitched on him. Well, in um, and I'm anti-snitches. Uh, but but it, it just gets into this thing where like, um, people make mistakes and can learn from them. Uh, they're contrite. They can change as human beings. Um, just like you know, I once. Through snowballs at the girl next door when she wasn't looking, it was a very mean thing, and I learned that I shouldn't do that because I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, there are lessons to be learned in making mistakes like that, and and I think people are human, and they're gonna they're gonna do dumb shit, or even think and believe dumb shit. Yeah. That, they, that they're not going to believe. After they learn in something new in 20 minutes yeah. or in two years or whatever. And, and there's a, there's a point where, you know, all this kind of, um, all this stuff is going to test what people believe about, um, uh, the, the idea of rehabilitation, you know, um, yeah. because, especially, especially like, 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 let's take Norway as an example a society that obviously believes in rehabilitation because their yeah. their most brutal murderer won't go to jail for more than 18 years or whatever the, yeah. the limit is or 21 years or whatever it 21 is. 21 was for murder and arson. Yeah. Like so, if you murder someone, I think it's like 10. Yeah. So like the, um, there's got to be, you know, <laughs> there's going to be some push and pull with, with those kind of things. Does that change? Like, like having heard that about John Helm and not knowing – the full story other than I think he just made what everyone would agree to is just an out of pocket comment. Like, does that change how you feel about Agalock? I don't know. Uh, probably not, but like it, it's, it's interesting because Agalock's sort of a, a band, which is gone. And it's kind of like set in stone. Whereas uh, yeah. uh, other bands, if they're ongoing. Yeah. I don't like know. How, like, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I'm just, I, I, I yeah, I, I don't know how to feel about it. And it's something I've been thinking about for ages, and I still don't really know how to about, feel about all these kind of things. Well, that's sort of what I, you know, getting around to the, to the base of the question is, like, why do I kind of shrug around it? Because I, you know, there's a lot of ammunition to be shot in a thousand different directions. And, and what, also, what good is it going to do? I mean, this conversation is is a good one to have. Yeah, I think it's important when it comes right down, you know, not not just for the sake of interesting podcast fodder, but like yeah. as as human beings, this is a conversation that's a good one to to have. Yeah, you know, to to acknowledge that this stuff. Um, I for one applaud you that that there's this type of conflict happening in our world because there I, there are people that I know and there are people I think who the minute they found that out they would Google it, confirm that it was true. And that would change how they feel about Agalock and whatever. And it's like, like I said, if that's how you feel, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, be, like, I don't, I don't begrudge you that in one bit. But like, I do respect you for like, 
even thinking or saying like, yeah, you know, like it's, it doesn't affect the fact that the guy made great art, you know, it's like, it, it might affect the fact that you're like, maybe the next time like he puts a project out, I might be like, nah, yeah, I don't want to support that. Or yeah. you didn't make a split second decision. You didn't cancel Aglock. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Too late. So they're, I, I they're already thought, were canceled. You're right. <laughs> thought needs to be put into everything. Yeah. Not, I, not just reaction. I have no thoughts ever. It's a miracle. I don't know. You just exhibited a whole shit pile yeah. of them, man. <laughs> I made all that shit up. I don't even know what I'm talking about. When do you yeah. guys start getting into heavy music, and what what appealed to you about it? Um, I uh, I don't know. That's that's a great that's answer. A, that's a what what appealed to me about it. Um, I mean, I, I it's a gateway drug kind of thing because. Um, you know, when I, when I was 10 years old or whatever, the, the huge shit was hair metal. It was rat and Motley Crue and Cinderella and all that stuff. And that was what was popular. So that's what you're hearing a lot. Um, and it's accessible and you're buying into it. Right. And, um, I think to a degree it's human nature to be like, Hey, you know, I, th- this stuff with heavy guitars, what's, what's other stuff that has heavy guitars? Yeah. You start listening to other stuff. And then like, I remember I had a skater friend who, um, sat me down and he's like, pop, hits play on master of puppets. And I'm like, when are they going to start singing? Yeah. <laughs> because it's just this big, long instrumental intro. And, um, and that was one of the things where all of a sudden, um, you know, pop art became art in my head. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where all of a sudden this like whole new avenue of, of ambition and expression opened up, you know? And so I, why, why does, why does, why did that appeal me, appeal to me instead of, um, I don't know, John Coltrane. <laughs> um, there, there is still that kind of youthful energy to it—a a rebellious thing. Um, you know, the cool aesthetic of you know of metal. Yeah. You, you look, you look at Iron Maiden covers, and it's like that's not too far a leap from. Star Wars and Godzilla movies that I yeah. cut my teeth watching as a kid, you know? Um, so I, and, and, and I've, I've since, you know, intellectualized it to the point where it's like, okay, you know, um, I'm a mild mannered guy who likes really aggressive music. And some people find that really strange. Yeah. <laughs> and, and some people assume that you have like a dark side because of it. Yeah. Well, but like, doesn't everybody have a little bit of that in them? A little bit of a dark side? I, uh, I would say so. Um, I don't think you have a particularly dark side to you. No, I mean, have I... Dark, have, have I squashed impulses to punch people? Yeah. That's a dark impulse. Okay. That's an animal impulse. I think everybody does, has that. So, like, I've, I've since come to intellectualize it where, like, um, there's an element of escape. There's an element of, uh, of fantasy. There's an element of... of gut level, um, physical, you know, uh, animal reaction to, to a good riff. But then I can listen to the same riff and go, 
oh, listen to that change. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a weird chord that's in there. Oh, that's so cool. How'd they come up with that? You know what 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 went into it? And and there's and you know there's a really good balance to metal to me that is um you know both head and heart. Yeah. Being dick and balls, yeah, (laughs) dick and balls, each each one being stroked, yeah. Um, and then and then some bands do one of those things in an amazing way, right? You know, it's just that's the Brazilian thrash stuff. It's just the 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 raw animal stuff. That's just taint. (laughs) It's just all taint. But then, like, do you know what? Then you know taint is that like a is that a U.S. thing? Um, well, I, I consume a lot of U.S. culture, so I'm not sure if I know it because of that or if it's something in Australia. Paint, paint is the part between the asshole and the balls. <laughs> it is indeed. Yes. <laughs> so, um, we, sorry, we, we don't mean to, like, talk down. We're just making sure you know. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so, but then, like, I, I, I can really sink my teeth into, you know a dark angel or Opeth song that has a bunch of movements and riffs yeah. that, that are, and it's absolutely an intellectual exercise. Right. I mean, dark angel has a primal thing coursing yeah, beneath it, you know, sure. Opeth more, more so high minded, yeah. high concept, artsy, whatever. So I, you know, that that's what it's evolved into for me. Cool. Long answer. Let me yeah. give my two second answer, which was that I grew up in a nice, happy, normal, upper-middle-class home, I think. Um, weirdness being, like, yeah, the biracial home. But I, I I had no real reason to be drawn to, like, heavy and aggressive music other than the fact that, like, it was anti-authoritarian. And I just, I've always, like, hated authority figures. And, like, I've always been strong. I've always been strong-willed. And so it was the first thing that I ever saw that echoed that. Like, it was loud, distorted guitar. I was like, whoa, that's cool. And, like, the people that liked it were like, fuck teachers. And, like, fuck the cops. And, like, fuck your parents. I'm like, oh, I kind of like my parents. <laughs> I was like, I, and I, I, I think school is actually kind of cool because I, like, learn stuff. I do think that all cops are bastards and should die. So, I, like, I lock, I lock into that. Fuck a cop. Um, punch a Nazi, punch a cop. Um, so, yeah, I just, like, I got into it because it was anti-authoritarian and it was and it was aggressive and I was, like, an aggressive young man. I wasn't, like, an unhappy boy. But, you know, I was, like, I was a testosterone-laden, like, boy who liked and, – and, like, yeah, I liked the imagery. I thought it was cool. It was way cooler than, like, like somebody – you know, staring at their shoes, playing like some like lovelorn song is like fine, but like also some guy behind a wall of martial or in front of a wall of like martial amps bashing a chord that makes hundreds of people mosh into each other. <laughs> that seemed more appealing to me. So I mean, that was it was it was simple, and, and then of course my weird personality got involved and now here we are. One thing which sort of, this is going back a little bit, that I didn't experience was a thing like the Headbangers Ball. Um, you've mentioned this a couple of times yeah. about how it's kind of really introduced you to some bands. It was kind of an important 
I know, cultural phenomenon, at least within you know, heavy metal. Talk a little bit about that and its importance. Well, the, that was the water cooler, you know. I mean, there everything's scattered now, you know. You've got... Think of three. You have a thousand headbangers balls on the internet. Think of uh, think of headbangers ball as the fuck Jerry of its day. Did that reference fall blank on everybody? Yeah. Okay. Fuck Jerry. Edit edit that one out, Ben. No, don't edit it out. Maybe look like a dumbass. I don't care. (laughs) No, no. Fuck Jerry is the Instagram the the biggest Instagram meme aggregator. Uh So like all the cultural references, all the jokes that are like made on. Every late night talk show, they come from there. Ah. So, like Headbangers Ball was like the cultural aggregate. Well, there's a there's a it was a narrow it was a narrow pipeline. Yeah, you know. And I had that too, but it was just called 120 minutes. Yeah, I um. So it was like Headbangers Ball. It was two hours every Saturday. It was 120 minutes. Yeah, (laughs) and um, and that was like where. Oh my gosh, they're going to show a Sepultura video. I'm going to see what these guys look like. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I can see these people, the, these guys who make this music I love, I can see them move. They're not just a static thing in a magazine somewhere, you know? Yeah. Um, so there was that. A very then, cool thing pre YouTube. Yeah. It, you and know, now everyone just like is looking up everything. And, it, and, the, and that kind of started out as like a bunch of. You know, they, they'd mix in the hair metal with, you know, um, some of the heavier stuff. But Headbangers Ball, I, Metallica went years refusing to make a music video. And when they finally made one for one, that's where it premiered. It was a, yeah. 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. And I remember it clear as day. It was so yeah. monumental, you know, yeah. that, that that's that was the power that MTV in general had, you know, um, what, one of the other, but, but even then, um, did the one video get played that much during the day? Probably not. It's nine minutes long. It's super depressing. It's black and white. The music is really, really heavy. You know, it's from their least sonically accessible record, but a huge record at the time. Right. Um, and that didn't, that wasn't even a factor. You know, that was, yeah. wasn't even part of the discussion that I was having at the time anyway. And th- so, like, that was a component. And there was another uh, syndicated radio show in the U.S. Ba- based out of Dallas called Z-Rock. And they, like, um, <clears throat> listened to that a fair amount, too. Um, but, like, I think it was either fr- – I think it was Friday nights they had um, – you know, an hour, two hours where we, where they would just play the heaviest stuff they had, and that's where I first heard like death, yeah, and um, in in some of those in obituary and some of the some sure. of those real early American death metal bands, um, and and it's like yeah, this is here's the new one by uh, Creator, and and I remember hearing uh, Slaughter, the Canadian Slaughter, Canadian Slaughter. on that show not up all night sleep all day yeah exactly um you know those those were the the like you know um for a kid at the time uh for for a 14 year old at the time that those were like the the watering holes you went to 
Um, whereas now it's like YouTube, you're at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. And like, you're, you're, at, you're at the mercy of like you, you, but I honestly believe you're, it's YouTube because you discover one thing, whatever that thing is, you type it into YouTube to check it out. And there's a fucking algorithm that's like, okay, these people that watch this or listen to this, yeah. will listen to that. And then it's like, dude, I've discovered like cool bands that way. Yeah. Where just I open up YouTube and it's like, what's this dude? I'm like, what the fuck is that? And I click yeah. it. Yeah. And, and then some algorithm the next thing and, and you're down me, the rabbit hole. Yeah. And I'm down the rabbit hole. And it's funny, Serba brought up something, the whole Ed Banger's Ball thing. And I had forgotten 100% because, as we said, my memory's not so good. That, like, when I was a kid, Headbangers Ball had been canceled because it was, like, dinosaur rock yeah. at the time. It was so uncool. Yeah. But in the late 90s, when, like, alternative culture was, like, at a peak, mm-hmm. meaning, like, alternative culture was the dominant culture, yeah. which is, like, what I grew up in, which is, it's very funny to think that, like, the mainstream culture was selling you the fact that they weren't mainstream culture. But it's kind of true. That 120 or uh, Headbangers Ball rebranded itself as 120 minutes. Well, 120 minutes had existed prior to that, you know. No, I don't know that. But yes, it was, a, it was a Sunday that. night show, but and and that's where you could go to see Pixies, right? And REM indie stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That. But I remember, but I remember it being specifically like rebranded to like heavy stuff though too. Because I remember seeing a Biohazard video on there. Because when I was, like, going through and, like, looking up, like, Biohazard videos. Yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck. I saw this on 120 Minutes. Yeah. So they kind of had a little of that. So, like, it was uh, not as culturally relevant as when Serba was there. But, like, I definitely remember seeing things and discovering bands, like, uh, especially a lot of, like, Southern California, like, punk bands and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Be, uh, like, no doubt would have a video on 120 Minutes or whatever. Yeah. Like, sounds funny now because they're, like... This, they played a fucking Super Bowl, but like <laughs> they were at one point, you know, yeah. a ska punk band from Orange County that, you know, didn't have that many fans. Now, now Serba, you mentioned uh, playing some Iron Maiden with your son. Obviously, he's quite young, um, sort of in age, maybe where he doesn't quite appreciate it. How are we going to approach something that's a really important part of your life? as he grows older and begins to develop his own sort of musical appreciation. Oh, I plan to, um, <laughs> to utterly brainwash him so he doesn't know any other world. <laughs> I, I think that's a cool move. I think that's a cool move, to be honest. I mean, I don't know. That, that's kind of my flippant answer. I, I, don't have a good, I don't have a good answer for that. But like... Um, You're not lying, though. <laughs> like, it's, he's telling the truth. <laughs> That I remember a couple years ago, and my kid wasn't even two yet, right? And um, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge, you know, I'm a huge Star Wars guy, Ben. Like I, I have fucking dork. <laughs> that that like some of my earliest memories are of watching <laughs> Star Wars. So, and I, I have I have a basement full of Star Wars toys also that I've true. saved. So. So, and I have a friend who's, who's, a, who's a similar fan and he came over and he's like, so have you shown Star Wars to your kid yet? I'm like, I don't know. He's kind of young. And he's like, my son has not known a world without Star Wars in it. Like, 
there there won't be a time he will not remember his first time he saw star wars that's how early it was yeah be and bad. and yeah. i immediately like a few days later i popped in <laughs> star wars and it and like you, you turn on the phone and you hit video and record and the fanfare comes up and he went whoa yeah so i you know the, so just imagine that but with like the first six bathory records <laughs> So the, as soon as you hear the tape hiss on Bathory One, on the intro, and then when it goes into war, that's that's this reaction he's going to have. Whoa! <laughs> well, war is later on the record, but you know. What I'm so I, I don't, don't know. Correct. I mean, um, he's going to hear it. He's going to be around it. He, you know, he looks at the shirt I'm wearing and goes, "Heavy metal, rawr!" You know. And the other day, like out of nowhere, out of absolute nowhere. You know, apropos of nothing, he said, "Heavy metal is rock and roll with thunder, lightning, and monsters." He's four. He's four. He's four. Damn. And I went, dude. <laughs> You're a smart little Mr. Bitch. Soundbite. Yeah. Smart. <laughs> you should get him a Twitter account. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. You, you you can't force your kids to like the the same things you do, but but I do think back on. Um, some of the stuff that music music wise that my dad listened to and I'm like, you know, Roy Orbison's a badass. Johnny Cash is a badass. Yeah. You know, Ronnie Millsap, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, one thing too, like to, to answer like the to the previous question too, I kind of forgotten about was that my dad was huge into prog- to progressive rock. He loved like ELP is his favorite band of all time. So part of the reason that I liked punk rock and heavy metal and hardcore was that it was the opposite of prog rock. Mm-hmm. It was it was regressive. Like my dad would hear the Stooges and be like, "These guys can't play." Yeah, like this is they're See, all out of tune. My dad would say would listen to and just Frog and go, "That's just a bunch of noise." And I'm like, "Dad, that's like 400 more chords than that country band you yeah than, than the Juds right." And like my dad <laughs> and, would like, and just you know, blink, blink, blink. Yeah. Like my dad would appreciate, cause I remember trying to show him like some metal stuff and he'd be like, that's cool. But like, I wish it was on like a B3 or something like that, <laughs> like a Hammond B3 organ and, you know, had a, you know, a, yeah, it's just funny, but sorry to me to jump in on your question no. about child rearing. <laughs> Damien, you mentioned hardcore. Um, that, that's sort of something that's always tangential to a lot of the stuff you talk on, Pasogam, but obviously because it's not Pasogam, you don't. We don't, it doesn't come up necessarily that much. Um, talk, talk a little bit about that and how I don't know it, it sort of contrasts or is the same as your love of heavy metal. Uh, hang on a second, clatter, clatter, clatter. Serba just jumped out the window. <laughs> uh, he threatens to punch me in the face every time I talk about hardcore. No, hardcore is one hundred percent as important to me as heavy metal. I could do this show about hardcore. So like, like I don't watch movies. I don't watch TV. Um, I don't like read as much as I should. You I read more than I do. Yeah, I do, but yeah. I wish I read more. Um, cause then I would be big smart. Um, but I read and that sounds pretentious and stupid as fuck, but it's anyone. It's like the truth. I don't go see movies. I hate movies. Like, I have dedicated what little of my brain I have to, like, music. 
Like, that's my thing. And, like, guitar gear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a little bit for football. You, but, watch, um, you watch football on television. Watch football on television, yeah. And boxing. I watch boxing. I watch football and I watch boxing. So, but I don't have, like, I don't watch Games of the Thrones or, <laughs> you know, whatever, like. He's seen you know, Deadwood a zillion times. Yeah. I was like, like, my mom watches Arrested Development. Yeah. And she's like, you should watch Arrested Development. I'm like, no. Because yeah. it's stupid. So um, to the point, shut up, bitch. Let me get hardcore. There. Okay, can uh, I can I say something? about I answered hardcore? his question. It's the most. It's it's as important as it is, and I and and the level of dedication that I have to Basagam, I also have to hardcore. My thing is like, um, <clears throat> this is not your question, but go no, ahead. No, but 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 you you jump back out the window. I I like a good running joke about how hardcore just grates on me. Yeah, and. and it doesn't always. Yeah. It's the tough guy hardcore that drives me nuts. Yeah. The, the, hate, the, breed, hate, breed. the, the hate breed type hardcore yeah. just drives me crazy. It's, it's the, that like self-righteous, like <clears throat> overly sincere to the point where you wonder if it really is sincere. That oh, it's stuff. definitely sincere. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's they're not smart enough to pull but, off. But, the, but they're not saying anything about with Jamie, Johnson. but it's contrived. I don't know. You're, you're, you're. I don't know. It's, it's. These are things that if I said about a metal band, you'd be like, you don't fucking know that. You're being an ass. No. You're being an assumptive no, I'm not, prick. I'm not saying that, but like. Oh, you're trying to say that like bonded by blood has more like heart behind it than like oh, satisfaction no, no, and desire. But I, 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 I'm, I'm just trying to say that the guy who's like, um, sing, he's singing about a different subject matter. Is it just as contrived? Yeah. yeah. But, but like. The sincerity can be contrived just as much. Sure, as, the delivery as as the like silly, dumb metal. Yeah, but like you you see you see sincerity represented in hardcore as like a guy up there in street clothes, like speaking to the crowd, and like the band is in street clothes, and they're like presenting their message. And the message is sincerity, and you think that sincerity is contrite, contrived, but then like a band, like a metal band gets up there and they're like denim and leather, and they're fucking spikes on the wrist, and you're like, no, that's that's a more honest message. I'm not saying it's more honest. I'm just saying like you don't need to be a part of this argument. <laughs> We're moving on. We, you, I apologize. What, what I'm saying is saying. There, there's a level of contri- contrivance to everything. I, I love hardcore. They're trying so hard not to be contrived. I love that hardcore. Trying, trying not to be contrived is in itself contrived. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I love hardcore so much. I play in a hardcore band. Yeah. Um, a lot of my bands don't play live because they're just me, like the metal bands. But my hardcore bands have always played live. So I've always had a spot in my heart for hardcore. I think that hardcore is the best live music on the planet. I, the interaction between the bands and the people out in on the floor i mean and hardcore ruined a lot of good music for me because it's just such high energy good stuff and it's aggressive and it's short and it's to the point i i i understand short to the point get in get out leave yeah. smoking crater I, I understand that i um but one thing i want to say like so much of it is so humorless and black metal is the same way yeah but but Sometimes Tak doesn't realize how fucking funny he really is. 
Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's nothing funny about Jamie Joss. No, no. but I mean, no. no, whatever. Do you like hardcore, Ben? Um, not, not particularly, to be honest. I'm actually interviewing a (laughs) hardcore band on Monday, but it's, yeah, it's not, I I suppose maybe it's because a lot of the scene in Melbourne is like metalcore. And so I I tend to associate with that, not the sort of proper true. Is it like Parkway Drive? Yeah. Parkway Drive has basically changed like the scene over here like i wasn't necessarily aware of yeah. it before but like there are so many bands that have wanted to be parkway drive ever since so as particularly yeah. um up in, in new south wales the sort of state above mine yeah it's it's it had incredible influence on a lot of the music that sort of comes out of that sort of particular facet of heavy music and there's like a lot of disputes big in australia too right um mm. you know a lot of disputes I think I've heard the name, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really involved in the scene, so maybe it is, and I'm not aware of it. Sure. They're, they're just a band from the area that I think they did really, really well in Australia, so much so that their drummer married an Australian girl and lives there now. So he's 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 one of he's one of you now. <laughs> I was just curious. Like, they're a little more, like, emo-centric, so pretty, yeah. pretty far off the... But yeah. I was just curious... As an Australian guy, if you've heard of a lot of dispute. But yeah, hardcore, the answer is is just as important to me as all the other stuff. I could be talking about sick of it all just as much as I talk about overkill. Yeah. Mm. Now, this is another thing that I know Serba loves hearing about. Uh, your band's Damien. Uh, want to talk Hell about Hell yeah. So th- this is actually something I might want to talk to you on another occasion about. If, um, uh, sure. When you, when you're that's, that's a whole other... That's a whole other uh, <laughs> Six hour podcast. Yeah. But yeah, but just briefly talk a little bit about some of the bands you're involved. (laughs) (laughs) He's flipping me off right now. What was your question, sir? I was I had a jackass in my ear. If they weren't good, they wouldn't be worth talking about. This is true. What was your question, sir? (laughs) Talk a little bit about the some of the bands you're involved with. Um the main band uh, okay. The podcast, I I struggled to do – one of the main reasons I didn't want to do the podcast because I didn't want to (laughs) – I almost said expose myself. I don't want to expose myself. But I didn't want to expose myself to um, people and, like, let them see how I interact with one of my best friends in the world, Serba. Like, because when the mics are on, we – this it isn't a show. It's like it's really how we talk to each other. (laughs) Like, so my bands, I take super, super seriously. My music, my music is very humorless. You know what I mean? Like, it's not jokey. No, no, I take it very seriously. I'm very pretentious about it. So, you know what? I think I would answer this question better than you would. Oh, okay. Go for it. Seriously. So you'll get a short answer. You're, you're not, you don't want to define what you do really. I mean, there's elements of it where, you know, X-Might is your metal punk band. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's, like, <coughs> that can, dude, X-Might sounds like it can go from Bathory to Voivod. Yeah. From one riff to the next. Destruction. Yeah. To Mighty so, Threat. Um, so that that's, I think that's my favorite of, of Damien's bands. Um, it's, you know, lo-fi and aggressive um, you've got ornamental headpiece. 
and um, I mean, I've got a lot. Just there's a lot. I run a label called Colloquial Sound Recordings. It's a stupid fucking name. No, it's okay. I, I thought it was going to last. Like, I just and then it didn't end up being a thing. But a Pregnant Light is the main band. Well, and and that that's why I'm I'm building up to that yeah, because you, I do you, like you Vessel have, Virgin and the Station of Life and and, and it, it ranges from more metal to more hardcore to more punk to you know doom to you know one of my keyboard best, driven black metal yeah, you know what one of my best selling records is like as far as like you know, the, the alluring the alluring thing the alluring thing which is a funeral doom tape um, but it but it all like kind of comes into one. <clears throat> like you can see the influences um, blending into a very hearty stew with a pregnant light. Yeah, that that's that's like the distillation of of all your influences into one thing. Starting with hardcore metal, black metal, hip hop, yeah, Madonna, you know, yeah. all that kind of Pop stuff. Music, uh, everything you like, kind of indie rock. In. You know, we're talking about like. Smiths, yeah, that kind of Smiths. stuff. Yeah, you're a big Johnny um, Marr guy. Big Johnny Marr guy. And, you know, as evidenced by the fact, too, that, like, I keep things private and secret, it's like, I've been working on, like, a new record, and Serba hasn't heard a fucking note of it. You played you played a smidgen. I played a smidgen you, 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 very thrashy. Yeah, you played, like, 15 seconds of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He's sitting behind the test press for the vinyl. Uh-huh. I could, you know, whatever, but... Um, Where's my bag? I'm going to put it in there. Yeah, so... um. Yeah, it's, it's the, we'll talk about it at a later time, but, uh, I guess for the listeners, check out A Pregnant Light, check out Colloquial Sound Recordings, check out Axumite. Axumite, I love Axumite. Yeah, Axumite's the shit. But A Pregnant Light, A Pregnant Light is like my life's work. Like when I die, that's kind of how I want to be remembered. And my hardcore band is Prison Suicide. We oh yeah, it. Prison Suicide. Yeah. To talk about um, briefly some of your uh, outside interests, Serba. Um, briefly talk about your involvement in sort of journalism and, and, and film. I know it's kind of compressing something into a little soundbite, but um, talk, talk a little bit about that. So the, the funniest thing is um, I was making a living as a movie critic for 12 years out of the, out of the 20-some that I... Um, worked for a newspaper and a digital media, digital news media company. Um, and people would always come up to me, um, knowing that I'm a metalhead and a movie critic. And they'd be like, they'd want to talk about horror movies. And I was just like, do we, I don't even like horror movies. That was such a, just a terrible contradiction in the minds of so many people. (laughs) I, I've come around to them, put it that way. Um, but like, I'm not, people have, uh, a picture of, of these like metalhead dudes, these death metal guys who have, you know, dingy apartments with 600 VHS tapes of every shitty slasher movie ever. And you've watched them all a dozen times. Um, and that's just like, People, people jump to that conclusion. They're like, what do you think of Friday the 13th Part 8? Dude, I, I haven't even fucking bothered to watch that, you know? <laughs> so that, that, that's one of, the, one of the funnier things about me. Um, I don't know. I, I, I worked at the uh, school paper in college. Um, I've never taken a journalism course, but I've worked in the field. Um, 
I always wanted to be a movie critic and I became one for a while. I still kind of am one, uh, on a freelance basis. Um, where, where could people read some of your recent stuff? Uh, John Serba at large.com. Okay. Just checking. And, and I have bylines at decider.com. Oh, okay. Um, where I've been doing a lot of kind of, uh, I'm not afraid net, to get the plug Netflix in there. and, and streaming movies and TV type uh, commentary. Stream it um, or skip it. Stream it or skip it. You actually saw that? Are, are you're Googling it right now. No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. If I'm being honest, I was looking uh, around last night just to get a feel for some of your work. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, so, I mean, eventually, um, uh, I, I have a couple books in me, I think, eventually. Um Wow! Yeah, I have, a, I have a film book brewing in my brain, and I wanna I wanna write like uh, I I really like Martin Popoff, who's the Canadian metal journalist. He's probably the only metal journal one of one of like three metal journalists in the world who who, does, who, make, who makes a living doing that. Um, and he's done these like compendiums of of reviews of albums, and I would love to do something like that. It, it, but, it, but even like focus, maybe it's the Basagum book. Yeah. Maybe it's just the, the bullshit old guy. I, I would like book. it to be so I can get in on some of that money. <laughs> there is no money in that, dude. Yeah. Well, <laughs> It'd be a labor glory. of love, and I, I, need, I need the money more than more than the yeah. labor at this point. So I, this is something, too, I've kind of been pestering Serba about, is I told him that I would help him. And by, like, help him, I could help him with this project as much as he helps me with the podcast which is to say nothing, mm-hmm. but I, I, what, <laughs> at any, at all, I don't know, help. I would love to at one point write a, um, like a biography with Mark Kozilek from Sun Kill Moon mm-hmm. and Red House Painters. And I think Serba, because his story is so interesting and I think no one will do it. Mm-hmm. So I want to do it. I think Serba should do it with Dave Windorf from yeah, Monster Magazine. Yeah, I should. I really should. So like he, every time I, I bring it up, number at one point. Every time he brings it up, he's like, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, if, if you don't do it, no one will. I know. You know? So I, I think maybe putting it out in the world publicly, yeah. someone will be like, hey, what's so, that Windorf book? So there's this time um, uh, about six and a half years ago, um, I went to Indiana University to see Werner Herzog. Do, are you? Are, do you know who Werner Herzog is? Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of him briefly, but it, I think he's one of the people who actually need to kind of get into film more seriously and actually take a look at. Yeah, exactly. You you kind of have to be a film nerd. Although you know he's he's been uh, he's been kind of memed a little bit. You know, um, there's he he's said some really kind of crazy, awesome. Uh, weird things that that are kind of made him internet famous, um, but like he he is he's a, a kind of a, a nihilist <laughs> at yeah. times, and um, his films are absolutely fascinating to me. And he he has this kind of grim persona, and I, I went to see him speak and present films at Indiana University, and I had an opportunity to meet him through wildly ridiculous convoluted circumstances and it happened to be my birthday 
And so Werner Herzog, I met him and, and he's like, oh, you are from Michigan? I'm like, yeah, I'm from Michigan. You know, this, this is my little present birthday present to myself is this little trip. When is your birthday? It's today. I need to give you a hug. And Werner Herzog gave me a hug. Yeah. I, I, I am convinced that Werner Herzog doesn't just hug anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of the chosen few. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, there's that's, like that's my favorite. He's story. the only person. He, you, you love that story. He's like the only person I've ever met. Not that I've met, but or like in doing research because this motherfucker doesn't shut up about Herzog. He's like the only guy who has a Herzog story that isn't like I wanted to press charges <laughs> at like the end of it, you know. And similarly, I have a Kozilek story that like I talked to Mark Kozilek mm-hmm. and. We and had a pleasant conversation. You. He suffered you. We he had a no, 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 fools. Yeah, we we had a pleasant conversation, and everyone's just like, "You had a pleasant conversation with Mark Kozlik? I'm like, "Yeah, it was brief," and I was just like, "He asked me a couple questions as I was walking away, like with my buddy." <laughs> we're like, "Oh shit!" Because we were both like, "We gotta get the fuck out of here while <laughs> while we're playing." You know, we're still good, and then it was just like, "Cool, man, like, dude, like, well, have a good time." <laughs> and then uh, so that was so you you've got a good Herzog story, you know that. That not many people have because he's a prickly weird fucker, yeah. as is Kozilek. But he's yeah, he's actually a very kind, soft spoken guy who you know ha- has sort of a persona, whether he, whether he wanted wants it or not. Oh, he wants it. Oh uh, yeah, to a degree, I'm sure. Yeah. Um. So well, I've got you here. I thought I might ask you this question because it's it's just been I, I I've been doing interviews for. Going back about five years now, um, with oh, wow. you, you were in radio, right? Yeah, I was in radio. Yeah, yeah, and um, did sort of interviews with that. <laughs> um, and, and something I've, I think, more and more, I think about like what I'm actually trying to do when I interview people. Uh, I was wondering about your thoughts about that. What, what, what's because uh, you, you've done a, a bunch. Uh, uh, yeah. How, how do you do an interview? Like, what are you trying to get out of it? What, what's the right approach? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Oh. I I was never that good at it, I'll be honest. You know, nice. I, seriously. I mean, I, I did it a lot and I don't I, I don't think I was that great at it, but um I I was better at uh writing these kind of you know analytical things. Um but uh, the thing I learned is just to to realize that the that the person on the other end is a human being and uh have a conversation you know um sometimes they're willing and sometimes they're not i mean there are times when like this is good this is a great conversation by the way yeah i love this yeah um well mainly because ben is quiet and he just lets us ramble on it's amazing yeah i I feel guilty it's like this motherfucker (laughs) has made like three pots of coffee and like he's been like checking his mail yeah um but you know you, you can bring up the Detroit Lions to Alice Cooper and he'll be like, oh, yeah, because he's a fan, yeah. you know, and you try to bring up the Detroit Lions quarterback to Jason Aldean because he's from Georgia. And it's just like, uh, are we just going to talk about the album? Now, he didn't say that, but, you right, know, he right, just, right. he's kind of redirecting it. So some people are just will just want to play that game and talk about and, and hit the talking points they want to. Um, and, and other people like the best interviews I've had weren't even, weren't 
had very few questions asked at all in them, you know. Um, obviously, you have to you have to get things started with one, and hopefully, you can just continue like uh, like we're doing right now, kind of. Yeah, I think you're doing great. I mean, like you didn't ask me, but I've been interviewed dozens and dozens of times for the label and all the bands and stuff. And a pregnant light was. What would you say about five years ago? Somewhat famous, internet famous for my interviews. <laughs> a little I said bit. some pretty. A little bit. I said some pretty out of pocket things in my interviews. But, Not out of pocket, but just like I would just was saying shit that nobody else. Yeah, I was just being me, I guess. So you're you're doing a very good job. I think you're asking cool questions. Yeah, I was I was reading one of those um, the same time I was going okay. through some of Serber's uh, uh, writings, and I think you call them, uh, or at least you call their question moronic. Oh, did I did I call someone? Did I call a question moronic? I, th- I think so. It was a little slightly difficult to tell from the context, but that seems to be the implication. <laughs> oh, did I, did I insult the interviewer? I, I, I well, don't know. I, I don't know. I think they were. Uh, it's, it's difficult to tell over text whether they were offended or not. But it was it was interesting. Yeah, I mean, well, a lot of times, like if I'm doing like interviewing like a European guy, I can get away with a lot more. <laughs> or like an interviewing and a European guy's interviewing me, I can get away with a lot more. But um. There, here's, a, here's a kind of funny, interesting story about Tone. There's a dude, um, I mean, I don't know if I want to, like, say his name. Well, I don't really care. It was, it's, his, name was, his name was John Rosenthal. He worked for Invisible Oranges for a spell, and um, he worked for, now I think he's working for Decibel at some point, maybe? So he was a huge fan. He collected all of my early stuff, all my really rare out-of-print tapes, and we were having a conversation like you and I are having, like mm-hmm. we were just like bullshitting. And I think I actually met him once. Actually, it was, it was totally fine. And we were conducting an, uh, an email interview and I said something and the tone, he read it a hundred percent wrong. Or I said something I'm like, that's a dumbass, like quite like mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Thinking that we were going to move on to the next topic or whatever. He started like an internet fatwa against me, like, demanding that like everybody hate me and like sucks all my stuff sucks and it's actually funny because he the guy who alerted me to this was actually a guy from uh tasmania uh in in your neck of the woods was like what did you did you like fuck this guy's wife or something like what did you do like to make him so mad i was like i didn't do anything we were doing an interview and then it just stopped and so like i kind of learned my little bit of a lesson there and it was like well, I bought all your old tapes off him and, you know, and I was just like, and he, and like every time I put out like a record or something like that, he's got like something bad to say about it. So he's like a little bit of a hater out there. And like, I've always just let it fly. Like, because I don't want to be, I think like, I don't want to be the guy that like, it's like, but also he was the example of, I said something to him and then he could no longer appreciate my art. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like we were talking about earlier. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want like, hey, if I hurt his feelings, like it certainly wasn't on purpose. But also like, yo, homeboy, like if you got hurt feelings and you're in your feelings about it, I'm going to let you be in your feelings about it. You know, like I'm not going to like try to convince you. Otherwise, like you misread something. I think you misread something. I don't think I was genuinely being rude or hurtful, but um, I don't know. Maybe I was. I don't really remember, but. Uh, don't don't be mad at me, Ben. I like you. I think you're a nice guy. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. <laughs> it's it's funny. People, I, I think, especially with musicians who are doing a lot of interviews, I think interviewers really need to kind of be aware of that and 
have a little bit let let some stuff roll if they're back a bit. Yeah, and like engage in the conversation, like and understand that like I don't need to like just acquiesce to every little fucking dumbass thing you say. <laughs> Sorry, see this is why I shouldn't <laughs> see if we had a pod, like what if I was adding the pod, I would like edit that shit out. <laughs> well, I mean it's 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 all about doing the research and so you're not asking the same question and writing the same story. You know, yeah, and I think that was the genesis of when you going boring fucking question, dude. Yeah, which is like, dude, I've done this, I've answered what are, that question. What are your times. influences? You know, what what are your yeah. goals as a musician? And that like, kind of and stuff. the question that a pregnant like gets all the time, and I don't mind answering it, is like, well, how do you describe like like how like how did you figure out how to sound like that? Because a yeah. pregnant light. I, I sounds like I'm trying to big dick myself here and like maybe something, but it doesn't sound like anything else. It's for better or worse, actually unique. I didn't want it to be unique, but that's how it turned out. Um, cause it's just me and it's my artistic thing. And I think people just like, I just ask that question over and over again. And it's, it's worth asking. Maybe that was not the question, but I don't remember. It's, it's outside the point. <laughs> I made him mad. That was the point. And then he got he got big mad at me on the internet. So that's mm. John Rosenthal, if you listen, <laughs> you little crybaby bitch. <laughs> it's, I it's, forgive you. I forgive you. I'm the big man. <laughs> it, it's funny. I, I've sort of almost resolved to not talk to some of the bigger bands, just because I, I find like, it's difficult to find avenues that haven't been explored and that when yeah. when you're interviewing about the album you have to ask them about the album but then their responses are wrote so i know I, that's why i kind of i know i try to interview more bands which haven't been interviewed i feel like i'm actually documenting something interesting yeah i loved your anal nathrock interview that was awesome yeah, well, I, I, it's funny. I actually, I was thinking about like, should I do it? Should I not do it? But I felt like, and maybe, maybe I'm just imagining. It, but I felt like I actually, asked some questions which perhaps illuminated things which I don't know have been illuminated before. I don't know. I yeah, didn't read all of these interviews, but um, yeah. Um, I've got one last question for you guys. Sure. <laughs> um, what, what have you been listening to, watching, or reading lately? I know the watching probably doesn't apply to Damien, but um, regardless. Yeah. Especially with football season or... Yeah. With football, uh, yeah. I just watch boxing and football. That's about it. Well, you're going to watch The Dirt. You're going to watch The Motley Crue movie. Yeah. I watched... Um, I watched... Uh, I lost a bunch of money. Mikey Garcia went up um, a few weight classes uh, to fight Errol Spence Jr. at welterweight. I watched that and I lost $60. Um... I placed a sixty dollar bet, which I lost. So that was what I was watching. Um, what I was reading, um, currently uh, reading. No, well, I no. Well, I'm gonna keep that. I read that Swans book recently. That was really good. You need to let me borrow that. No, bitch. Okay. You can buy your own copy. You can borrow it. Um, that Swans book was really cool. That's kind of what I want to do with Kozilek. Is like a oral history thing. Um, I'm saying this now because I've never said it out loud before, but like, I want like to go with Mark Kozlek to places and like have him talk about it, you know, and do that kind of stuff. Um, listening to uh, what have I been listening? Old to? Funeral. Old Funeral. 
kind of, yeah. <laughs> Old Funeral, um, Lungfish, as usual. And my buddy has kind of been trying to force King Crimson on me a little bit. So I've been doing a little bit of listening to Crimson. Uh, and then I think that's about it. I'm going to look on my phone real quick if there's anything else that I'm like missing way off way off the mark with like talk and r noir are like yeah. pretty big listens for me right now and um yeah what do what you sir i i can't get enough mayhem lately or uh let me see i i was listening to motley crew <laughs> old motley crew <clears throat> i was i listened to theater of pain and went wow um and uh i always listen to Urfaust. I had Sacred, yeah, Sacred Reich was the last thing on my turntable. Um, and uh, let me see. My I, answers were not very you, – while, you, while you're thinking about that, let me say. The one I was going to say that you maybe wouldn't think that would be interesting is like I'm a huge Arctic Monkeys fan. Yeah. So I've been listening to a shit ton of the Arctic Monkeys back yeah. again lately. So, yeah. so and, and then um, I listened to, to Black Sabbath Iron Man in the car with my kid a lot. <laughs> I told him it's a song about, you know – the superhero Iron Man. So we listen to that a lot. And he hums it. He, he runs around the house humming the riff. Nice. Yeah, nice. So that's what I've been listening to. Um, let me think. I loved the Netflix series Russian Doll. Um, I just saw, the film-wise, I just saw Us, which is a new movie by Jordan Peele, who did Get Out, speaking of horror films. And, um, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm in the middle of, uh, reading the rotting Christ book. Yeah. Very cool. I just, just fired that one up. non surveillance. Yeah. What about you, man? I want to hear what you're listening to and watching and doing shit like that. So, cause I, cause I run a podcast, it tends to be, I listen to, I interviewed a band called Valtari last night, so I interviewed... I listen to all their stuff. Um, I'm yeah. interviewing a band called Horizonist tomorrow, so I was listening to their stuff. So it tends to be a bit bland. It's just like, hey, this is the music I'm sort of um, I'm interviewing people for. Um, yeah, it's that's pr- it's that's how the show is. Like that's how Basagam has totally changed how I listen to music. Yeah, because now like I used to listen to music for fun, and now I'm just like I gotta. Oh man, I'm obligated to listen to. I was like, I'd listen to the sixth, seventh, and eighth record by some band that I only like one record on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I can definitely write it. It's kind of damaging to your ability to listen to kind of enjoyable music or newer music, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah that, that's what we do, I, I, I guess. I, I was inspired because I saw Metallica and reviewed their show. I was listening to a bunch of Metallica last couple of weeks. Oh, so unique. Well, like, I I, I couldn't, re- honestly couldn't remember the last time I, like, listened to Ride the Lightning start to finish. Oh. Fired it up. Okay. Anyway. My, my man poses. Anyway, Ben was answering. The yes. Question. So what are you watching and stuff like that? Are you doing TV shows or movies or stuff like that? So I've been trying to get through The Sopranos recently. Um, I think oh, okay. third season of that. Um, okay. Yeah, and in terms of reading, um, not enough. I mean, uh, you know, I've I, I can totally relate to you, Damien. Just the fact that you feel like you should be reading, but you're not reading enough. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, I actually have a lot of another podcast, so I actually do a bit of research for that. So that sort of takes up my reading. What's the other? 
Uh, it's called The Eclecticast, and it's just me and a friend. Um, totally original idea. We just talk about uh, random topics. So um, the last one, <laughs> I was talking about nuclear weapons accidents. Um, okay. Yeah, so. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I, I get I get real weird on Wikipedia. Like, Wikipedia changed my life. Like, I've, I've lost. That's kind of like what I do instead of read sometimes. It's like reading Wikipedia. But reading a book is always preferable. It has a good, strong narrative. But yeah, dude, I don't, I, I don't know if you have anything else. You said that was your last question, but this has been tremendous. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, man. 